0: This week, we say wow, 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 as Owen Wilson, star of Secret Headquarters, comes and has a chat with us and brings his directors, Henry Juice and Ariel Schulman, with him. Wow,
1: wow, wow.
0: Plus, we're coming in your ears with the star of My Old School, Alan Cumming. Oh, yes, indeed. Wholesome Cumming is on the way, folks. All that. Plus, the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that is fed up with this torrential rain that is sweeping this country. You know what we need? A good old fashioned heat wave. Nope. That's what we need. Nope. Two, three weeks, 35 degrees. Yeah. Job's a good one. Bob's your uncle. Bob's your, <laughs> Bob's your sweaty uncle. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, this week, we are going to be recording in two different locations. Not because we're transatlantic jet setters, no, but because we've had studio problems. Hooray! <laughs> Teething issues. Yay! Yay! So we're gonna be recording the first half of this week's podcast in the studio, and then the second half will be recorded
2: <laughs> oh, at some point. <laughs> at
0: some point in the next week. Some point in the next week. Uh, remotely, So that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm joined, I'm told, re- I'm, I'm informed reliably, I'll be joined on both those parts by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Hello, how are you?
2: I'm well, thank you, yes.
0: Excellent. This is good, good to know. And uh, we will be joined for this part, at least, <laughs> uh, because he may not survive to make it to the second part. Uh, it is James Dyer. Hello.
3: I'm very tired. I'm very, very tired. I'm just, I'm very tired. I, I, it's been very stressful. The 200th pilot podcast is there now, is. by the time this goes I'll out, allow it in this one two days away. And let's just say, I, I've been, it's been a lot. It has been a lot. I am exhausted. Yes. And as will the audience be by the end of Sunday. So. I mean, they're if exhausted have, already. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. But, uh, if you have yet to buy tickets, I
0: haven't, I haven't 200 bought 200. a ticket. I'll be honest with you, Jimbo. I haven't. <laughs> I'm hoping to get in for free. Given that, you know, I'm like <laughs> the, Given that the we've star been dragoons. <laughs> Given that
3: you've been <laughs> dragoon Look, i look I have forced
2: Press ganged.
3: Press ganged both, Dexter Fletcher's gonna be there. <laughs> yes, he's gonna be there. Along uh, with Julia Sawala. Chris and Helen to come and do the live She Has Botter special and the quiz, which is gonna be writers. Honestly, some of the rounds I've written are fucking mental. Good God. Uh, you're gonna love it. And uh, there will be other stuff We've announced That we're going to be Screening the first episode Of season two Of The Capture The Holiday Granger show The Capture Which is really really good On the BBC uh, Gangs of London Corinne Hardy's going to be there To talk through An amazing action sequence I can't even remember What I announced last week Suffice it to say There's a lot All of, of amazing stuff yeah. That is going to be going on Uh and you should come. And it's exciting. It's uh, it is. He says,
0: reading off a pre-prepared press release. <laughs> it is exciting. What a cavalcade of entertainment! Yes. It says here. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be great. So you can get tickets for that at Kingsplace.co.uk. Uh, and if you are, listen, it worked for me in the past. If you are a famous A-list television star <laughs> and you're you're of a loose end on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening, and you fancy being interviewed by one or indeed all three of us at the same time, then. Come on, what's Bob Odenkirk doing? Better Call Saul is just finished. He is presumably at a loose end. Yeah. So Bob Odenkirk, get yourself on a plane. I'm going to text him now. Fly over, better text Bob, and
3: fly over, and we'll do a Better Call Saul spoiler special live wow. on stage. And I'm testing now. I need a part for a model. What is it? What vacuum cleaner is it? <laughs> I need a part for a model no B. Spoilers, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get Bob down. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Ray Seahorn, as I found out is well actually done. how you pronounce her name correct that is correct I should get her down as well yeah I don't know how you get in touch with her and don't
0: forget to get Giancarlo Esposto
3: which is <laughs> yeah. also how
0: you pronounce his name indeed so there you go Jonathan Banks is pronounced Jonathan Binks no that's
3: not true uh, Lisa Jonathan <laughs> Banks <laughs> Lisa you servant. That, that would no half measures yeah it just wouldn't be the same would it however you think this is going to go down <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> Oh God, (laughs) we've just destroyed both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and this has barely even started. Mike Ehrman Trout.
0: Well, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn did always say, there's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish, Anakin! 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 Anyway, tight 35, guys. Tight 35. Tight 35. Tight 35. Uh, so welcome.
3: So come, come to pilot, this is what we're saying. Buy tickets come to pilot. To pilot. Oh, and if you're a VIP, are you a VIP? If you're a VIP, you get I a special am. discount. A special discount. When you say VIP, we should quickly explain, very quickly
0: explain. <laughs> tight 35, you motherfucker. Tight 35. <laughs> uh, VIP is if you're a member of the Empire
3: VIP Club, then you get a discount of.
2: Some money, uh, some Good. money, some get money. Quite,
3: quite a big, a big, a whopping discount, a massive half price discount. Uh, okay. If you, if you, if you're a VIP, so check, right. check your inboxes. It's going to be exciting. And then come down. I'm going to be there. Helen's going to be there. Is your dad going to be there?
2: Uh, no, he's not going to
3: come. Yes, Helen's dad is coming and will be signing autographs. It's that is, uh, is, uh, is that. That's an horror guarantee. It's not. Is that his actual birthday? Sunday?
2: Uh, no, it's not. We're, so that's the only reason when, I gave in to James's demands for my <laughs> presence. When is his actual birthday? We're celebrating on Saturday. His actual birthday is Friday. It's very complicated. Your
0: Your dad was born on the 19th of August. He was. My dad was born the 20th of August.
2: Hey.
0: One better. Boom. I mean,
2: I don't think that's how that works, Also, okay.
0: Protestant. Yay. Two nil to wow. my dad. Wow. Boom. He is dead. Two one to you. <laughs> my dad's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. pull dad's pulled one back. <laughs> oh, no. What? Oh, this is, can this he get is an equalizer? <laughs> what can he possibly do? Anyway, hello. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Have I done that bit? I have done that bit. Should we have a question?
2: God help us. Yes, please. God
0: help us. Let's have a question. That's a good question. This week's question comes from at Griff Swan on Twitter. And this was in response to someone who had tweeted, Michael Warburton had tweeted uh, on Twitter, the moment in live and let die where Bond steps across a row of crocodiles. And now, that was a, a real stunt that was done for real several Cunning times, stunt. several times. Uh, crocodile farm owner Ross Kananga, uh, who, of course, shares a name with the villain of mm-hmm. that movie whose father had been eaten by a crocodile doesn't say whether it was earlier that day or yeah. uh, earlier in uh, the year in or his life uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the stunt he succeeded on the fifth attempt he died in the previous four <laughs> uh, and his injuries required 193 Jeez. stitches so the question that Griff Swan was inspired to ask was what stunt from a film would you be brave enough to tackle good question
2: Brave enough. I mean, look, I, there are stunts that I think, oh, it'd be cool to try that. I don't know if, if when it came down to it, I would actually be up for trying that. You know, uh, I would like to do the the house fall from. I would like to do the house fall. The house fall would be amazing. What? the one where you have to stand in exactly the right place Busted so people. when the house, oh, uh, so the house, hau- and you're you. in the window. Yeah, you're in the window. Yeah, but if you don't stand in the right then place, you're then you flat. <laughs> you know, you're a pancake, yeah. and so that's Busted a slight people, worry. In fact. <laughs> yes, so. You know that would that would, but that is the one that immediately came to mind for this.
0: Because that that's one that because I have I have two crippling fears in this life. Snakes. Uh, one snakes, is me <laughs> snakes and James. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's the same thing. Uh, no, uh, snakes and heights. I have a crippling, do, crippling, yeah. crippling fear of heights. So snakes on a plane
3: is your all time most snakes. terrifying horror. I movie. love that
0: film so much. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's it's a weird thing with 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 me with heights. If you put me in somewhere that I'm where I'm enclosed, but I'm high up, I'll be fine. But if there's even a hint of the open air about mm-hmm. it, then I, I'm in big big trouble. So uh, I don't know if I could do say the Harold Lloyd thing, even though that's that was tricked out a little mm-hmm. bit and it wasn't entirely as dangerous as as it looks in Safety Last, where he's hanging from the the, the hands, of the, hands the, of the of the, the giant clock, clock yeah. one of the greatest stunts of all time. Uh, but even then, it's still a fall that I wouldn't be comfortable with yeah. But on the other hand I was thinking about this the other day this okay. is a question I gave rare thought to and so I was thinking about you know the the moment in Die Hard where Hans Gruber falls to his demise mm-hmm.
2: um
1: demise, demise it? As, yeah. a,
0: as a as as per Quint from Jaws he's a demise and uh, so you know Hans Gruber falls to his demise and Alan Rickman was on a rig Alan Rickman and they dropped him without telling him they were going to drop him, yeah. which and is so why was so surprised. Yeah, yeah. No. so his look of surprise and astonishment and fear and, let's be honest, increasing anger as he gets, as he goes down <laughs> was genuine. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't kill him. He was Slow.
3: on a he was on a wire. Alan, we'll drop you on three. One. <laughs> <laughs> there will not be a four. That's right. Yeah. We're going to drop you on three. There will not be a
0: four. <laughs> John McTiernan walked through all the casting crew, <laughs> uh, and looking for
4: Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yes. And father are fire. Maybe we will um, find a height you do care about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> her, 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 her. <laughs> so uh, I would love to I would love to do that. You know, I'm not sure I could do the bungee jump at the beginning of GoldenEye. I've done a bungee jump. Have you done a bungee Have jump? You? Yeah, I did.
2: Did you do it off a dam?
3: Uh, I did. A Van Dam. I did it off John Claude Van Dam. I was standing on his shoulders. Not terribly high. No, which, which is good. No, that was it. Wasn't that, that scary? He was in the splits awkward. at the time between two <laughs> trucks. It was very weird. Uh, no, I I did one off a uh, of a bridge in Queenstown in New Zealand, and Queenstown um, in New Zealand. That's right. Uh, the, what
1: was that? I, I went full diplomatic,
3: immunity. diplomatic I was, immunity. I was I was with some South Africans and we were in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I am now. I've gone full belter from the expanse. Uh, look, so so I was in Queenstown. I'm gonna, I'm going. I'm stopping accents immediately. And uh, they said they said right. We're above some water. And they were like, uh, Do you want to touch the water? <laughs> not a euphemism <laughs> and I said yeah yeah can I just say so we can do it Say so we're actually it's very precise because we've weighed you we know exactly based on your weight how tense to make it depending on who you want to. I said yeah can I just make it so my fingertips touch the water he said yeah absolutely no problem we can do that Da-da-da-da-da, tightened it boom go so I jumped off I went in, in, I was submerged in the river up to my ankle so like I was completely oh, submerged in the water and I came back up and I was like motherfucker if we were been doing this above a car park like what would have happened but you know I just got a bit wet.
2: <laughs> yeah, ju- bun- bungee jumping holds no appeal. It's not no, fun. Well
3: it's not it. fun at all. I've no. done two skydives and they were loads of fun, but the uh, bungee jump—it was ho- a horrible experience. I would never do again. Didn't enjoy it at all. Hmm. Uh,
5: no.
2: I'd quite no. like to. I'd quite like. There's lots of things I'd love to be physically able to do. You know, I would love to be able to do some of the kind of. Uh, what was that, the, the roller skating stunt, was it Charlie Chaplin one We're on the department Prayer store? Prayer of the Roller
3: Boys. Helen. Absolutely
2: gorgeous. <laughs> fuck that shit. right off. Don't you even think about it. Um, I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to do some of those sword fights. I think they're so cool. I would love to be able to do martial arts, but I have zero Yes, you ability. as Trinity at
3: the beginning of Matrix.
2: Holy fuck, that would be amazing. Mm.
3: I, f- I firmly believe, Helen, anything Tom Cruise can do, you can do better. Anything Tom, Tom can, do, do. I can, can do, you can do so better. I don't think
2: that's true, but it would be fun to do some of the stuff he does, That's right.
3: right. Let's strap you to the outside of a plane. And, yeah. uh, would
0: you do okay, that? You're off?
2: taking a little bit too much glee in this, I'll be <laughs> honest. I'm a little worried. <laughs> We're like, this Helen, is good you. looking good! I don't
0: know this where like I'm from the... now. Challenge Annika. <laughs> I almost said Anakin.
3: Anakin. Annika. <laughs> no, no, that's, no, that's a TV show.
2: Jump in some lava and see what happens.
3: <laughs> you think you've got the higher ground? Challenge Anakin.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a TV show. I want to see that TV show so badly. Uh so yeah, every week Helen has to do a massive stunt. Uh from said, Cunning stunt? Hey, come on now, James. Hey, on. You always worry no, cunning no, linguist, James. No. <laughs> uh you know, also from Goldeneye. We're on the Goldeneye trip this yeah. this week. Uh, bam, 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 bam. Every week, Helen has to do a massive stunt from the movies, and um, if she dies, if she dies, she dies. <laughs> she <laughs> she dies she
3: well, dies. no, doesn't. If she does it every week until she dies, presumably. Yes.
0: Onto, yeah. again, <laughs> this
2: does not sound great, but would this is a great stop thing, Helen. This is things. a
3: guaranteed ratings winner. It is. Is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. Uh, so, would you? Would you Helen High Water? We'll call it. Yes, we
0: will. Yeah.
2: Okay, um, look, uh, would I strike myself to the outside of a plane? I'd be quicker to do that than some other stunts, but I'd, I'd probably rather not do that, if I'm honest.
0: It was, it, I, I, I don't think people really understand how dangerous that stunt was. A piece of debris, even the smallest piece of debris, be it a pebble or a bird strike or anything, and we'd be talking about no more Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, I know it was Rogue Nation, but the fallout from that Same. would have been... Ah, literally Tom Cruise I was like <laughs> what's that on the runway it's Tom Cruise so that's not good you don't want that no so that's bad uh, but it, it's and
2: he did it eight times in a row maniac well, I mean we know this about him yeah. he is you know he's yeah. a better stuntman than most stuntmen with but, no but, disrespect to the fine people of that profession uh,
0: no so, disrespect intended okay uh, what about the other great movie star modern movie star slash stuntman Jackie Chan Oh Would you God. do nothing? Things like the the the. I mean, he's only died so many times. But the the one in police story where he jumps, uh, he's in the shopping mall and he jumps off a shopping mall ledge no. and he grabs. No. It, it's kind of a homage to a little bit in Commando. Yes, it's a it's a direct homage to Commando. Oh, when, he, when I say <laughs> homage to Commando, basically, someone <laughs> someone on the Commando team saw that and went, "Let's rip that off completely." Um. So he jumps and he grabs onto this strip, these, this kind of strip light yeah. thing and then goes all yep. the way down. He got something like third degree burns on his mm-hmm. hands.
2: See, that doesn't sound fun to me. That's no. not fun. No. And
0: of course, glass. He was, his yeah, his hands were lacerated and burned. Who gives burned. a shit about glass?
3: Uh, but, uh, you know, I, there are a lot of things. I for you. See another movie. <laughs> no. Uh, there are a lot of things Jackie Chan's done that I wouldn't do. Around the World in 80 Days, for example. Absolutely <laughs> oh. not. Uh, ooh, shots fired. Uh, no, I, no. Jackie Chan has like broken every bone in his body. Like, he's a maniac. Uh, no. Just, just, just no.
2: I mean, but again, you'd love to be able to have that ability to like move the way he does. To, to yeah, that the, the that the dancing balletic fight. Grace. yeah, the balletic Yeah, of, yeah. That, um, what was it in uh, Shanghai Nights, where he has that sort of Charlie Chaplin inspired dance through the marketplace? Wasn't well, that Shanghai? Of Nights? course,
0: Shanghai Nights. What happens in Shanghai Nights?
3: They end up hanging off the, the clock, hit. the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Safety mask.
2: I mean, again, hanging off things. I don't know. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I don't have any upper body strength. I've been going to the gym. I still mm. use the lightest weights, mm. you know, for all of the upper body movements. Well, See, so-
3: I've he- I've seen you go, f- go full Seracona, like turn your bed Sarah on a guide, like. Pull ups from the leg.
2: I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. That one time in Star Wars Land, you know, I was I was doing that every every day. Yeah, just
3: when we when we were on the on the Galactic Star Cruiser, that's what <laughs> Helen did. We'd wake up and she'd have upturned the bed and she'd be doing pull ups. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, this, this just to be clear, reiterate, we, we were not. Were in different in rooms. The same room. <laughs> we were
0: not. But in the they'd same
2: co- come to collect me to go to breakfast in the morning, and obviously they would find my room yeah. turned into they, an impromptu gym.
0: I, I think the listeners have a very wholesome picture of us, <laughs> so they would have expected that if we'd gone to this, uh, like the Galactic Star Cruiser together, which we did uh, in Disney World Florida uh, in, in February that we would have Eric and Ernie did and uh, that we would have been we would have shared the same bed yep. and we would have been dressed in our pyjamas our Empire podcast pyjamas and we we would all have had a, a cup of Horlicks
2: well now I want Empire podcast pyjamas what actually happened
3: was you two stayed in the grown-up beds and I stayed in the children's bunk bed yes and again for emphasis beds
1: <laughs>
0: yes and you did I, I kind of wanted the bunk bed anyway we're getting off the beaten path uh, so what stunt? I mean, what, what do you, what is, for you, what is the greatest stunt in movie history? I have an answer for this in my head. What do you guys think?
2: Well, now my mind's gone blank of every stunt ever.
0: I mean, all the Buster Keaton stuff's amazing, all the How, yeah, Harold Lloyd yeah. stuff's amazing, um, all, all, all that stuff. But I have, I have a very specific answer in my head.
3: Would you do The Waterfall from Predator? You know, when he goes down the water slide, essentially, and then comes up that waterfall and just falls all the way down and goes into the plunge pool.
2: I don't mm. like falling, so I'm going to say no.
3: It's the landing that kills you, Helen. <laughs> Falling's fine.
0: assuming. Okay, this is all assuming I could cure myself of my fear of heights and then learn, you know, learn to swim a little bit better. Uh, because I would absolutely yes, 100% she, die.
3: If the fall didn't kill you, you'd yeah. strap. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: he hasn't come up. It's been 10 minutes now. Right?
2: Ah, give him another five. <laughs> <Yeah>. him another...
0: <laughs> Just hold him down a little bit more. <laughs> we're good. Looks like I'm hosting next podcast. That's the
3: thing that blew my mind. Like, Did you read in the previous issue of Empire, the Avatar issue, like, Kate Winslet could hold her breath for like seven minutes? Did you see this? That's insane. Right. Then why the fuck didn't she give Jack that door? <laughs> you quite,
0: yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. Honestly, just go underneath the water, hold your breath for seven minutes, and then pop back up again. Yeah. Men's rare, right, Helen? She murdered a man. No, as it was not As good as anything.
2: It might have been as good as, but no, it wasn't murder.
0: All right. No. Well, okay, The Titanic's a good one, right? Oh, Titanic. Okay. Okay. For the record. Okay. 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 Okay, okay, okay. okay. For the record, I think the greatest one of all time actually might be Tom Cruise uh, strapped to the side so, of that plane. Yeah, that's a fair answer. Um, but there's some amazing ones also in, in Fallout where he's just what are you doing and if the one that we think he's done in mission 8 is the one that he has done then Jesus Christ anyway the, the answer I was thinking of in my head also was the stunt in The Mammoth the Golden Gun the corkscrew car jump which is that's incredible. pretty cool that's that for me cool. It's got everything. It's got a bit of showmanship. It's got a bit of panache. It's got a bit of danger. It's got a bit of vehicular mayhem. Mm-hmm. And I'd be okay with vehicular stuff. I'd be. I'd love to have been in the car alongside Gene Hackman in The French Connection. You know, going pell mell through the streets of New York for real. Maniacs. Uh, I'd love to have been part of the uh, the Ronin car chase. Like really good, proper That's car a cool chases. Car to live chase, in that yeah. dying LA, yeah, going yeah. The wrong, you know the wrong way down the freeway, all that sort of stuff. What about? What about uh, being in the truck chase in Raiders? Would you like to? Would you like to have been in that?
2: That would have been pretty fun. Although I, there's a very, very high per, um, percentage chance of being punched. I feel like, which I, I don't particularly want to be punched uh, as part of this stunt mm-hmm. uh, thing. But that did look pretty cool. The one that I, that I was actually thinking of when you said truck chase was uh, was Terminator. Two. Terminator. Yeah, that would be saying pretty cool. James
0: Cameron. Then I forgot myself. Yeah, yes,
2: that would be a pretty cool chase to be part of.
0: So that stunt were and. Uh, Jimbo likes this one as well. Where well, uh, Peter Kent, isn't it? Peter Kent is Arnie's stunt double. Jimbo, it is sure Peter why not? Kent. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, welcome to the Emperor Podcast. <laughs> Hi, sorry. Uh, and Peter Kent is Arnie's stunt double, and as you can tell, it's not Arnie. Where the truck is in the fire duct, and it is just about to crunch John Connor, and he can't tell now. Can you not tell now? Because well,
3: they did his fa- when they re-released 4K. He's now got Arnie's face digitally. So I'm sure it's post. seamless. It is seamless. Did they put anyone else's face on Ed Perlong Or <laughs> they <took his> face? <laughs> they took Nick Stall, They put Nick Stahl's yes. face on Ed perlong
0: Titanic,
2: right? Yes. T-
0: Titanic sinks.
3: amongst the stars. Oh, passengers, right? <laughs> yeah, no, there's some good stunts. And on they're there. leaping. They're leaping off the thing. And they're that leaping. All, that they're was, leaping.
0: Yeah, a lot of that was done for real in big water tanks, and people was actual stunt people were leaping off the, the what do they call them the the, the big Boat. bulky bits in the ship. The ship. The, mm-hmm. the funnel. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm into the um. What do you call it? The water. Thank What's
3: you.
0: It? Yeah. I mean, that was good. Were they a... all little CG people
3: jumping off those? Some, there were some CG people, but the I've seen. I've seen behind the scenes footage for his actual. All of people. the like the CG characters in Titanic. Now, when you look at them, they all look a bit like the Fat Controller from um <laughs> from Thomasin. <laughs> I mean, Sir Topham Hat. <laughs> Is that his name? Yeah, it's the now politically correct name. We do not call him. <laughs> we don't call him the Fat no. Controller. We do not. Oh, that's a no. shame.
0: He is Sir Topham Hat. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's stick with Jim's, Jim, Jim's, Cameron. Jim's, Ca- Jim's loves Cameron. Jim's Cameron. Yeah. He's, uh, he's so good, he's cloned himself. Yeah. Uh, True Lies. That amazing stunt in True Lies. And the what, one... with the Harrier? No, her name's Jamie. <laughs> um, no, Jamie Lee Curtis, where yeah. she's in Florida Keys and
2: hanging off the helicopter. Hanging off
0: the helicopter, yeah. and grabbing her and taking her out of the limousine. That would be amazing. That's a good one. That would be amazing. You'd like to do that one, wouldn't you? I would you?
2: really like to do that one. Yeah. That would be cool. I've never been in a helicopter.
3: Can I say I you have? Have you? Okay. Mm. I did. I went on a helicopter to the Grand Canyon and they, they played Bustle. Ride of the Valkyries as we came flying oh. into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. And then as we came out, they played Danger Zone. I was like, you really know how to pick <laughs> these fucking tracks. This is amazing. Uh, that's amazing. I've been in a helicopter once. I've been in a helicopter once.
0: I, I, I took part, uh, it wasn't entirely my choice, but I took part in a Jack Ryan shadow recruit I remember stunt this, day. where Kenneth Branagh abducted you Yes, that's right, that's what it was, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh abducted me uh, and I was, I was sent, so the whole conceit was that I was being followed by people and, uh, and then Kenneth Branagh ab- ab- appeared, I, w- I went into work and then someone had planted something someone had bumped into me outside where we worked and I mean, it's camden planted camden. Oh, not then it wasn't then planted something into my pocket and then when i got into work Kenneth Branagh miraculously appeared on the TV screen and went, Hello, Chris, I'm Kenneth Branagh, and I've given you an assignment today, and you're going to go off and learn everything you need to become a spy. I'm recruiting you to be a shadow recruit, just like Jack Ryan, probably, in the movie. I
3: mean, who can Correct. remember? And then he turns uh, off camera and went, I was fucking Hamlet! Uh, yeah. he, he was? <laughs> a really good one, he was He wasn't actually fucking uh, Hamlet. That oh, right. my goodness. That would be oh, awesome.
2: I went to the summer exhibition at the uh, Royal Academy yesterday, and they uh-huh. had an exhibit called Hamlet. And it was a uh, badger holding a, a badger skull. Badger from Breaking Bad. Oh, badger from
3: Breaking Bad. <laughs>
2: no, badger. A badger. You'd like from badgers. Wind and the Willis. Is this a badger a I see badger. before me? What? <laughs> Just a badger. Just the Just animal. A the animal, a badger holding wow. a skull contemplatively. Oh,
0: right. that's good. And it
2: was titled Hamlet.
0: Was this badger go- also interrupting my anecdote about being <laughs> in a helicopter?
2: <laughs> I, I mean, it was a boring <laughs> anecdote. It was really. Going it along. wasn't a boring <laughs> anecdote. I mean, it was a great well,
0: anecdote. It wasn't brilliant. So then I, I was whisked. Well, but the thing is, I've been told about this that this was gonna happen. And so I was watching these people in their ham fisted attempts to follow me. But I was playing along anyway. Sure. And so the guy bumped into me and he couldn't get the thing into my pocket. <laughs> so he had to give it a couple of goes and I was like, looking left, looking right, I don't see you sir. <laughs> So then I, I I was whisked away to this place miles away, uh, for an a fun afternoon of learning how to throw an axe and shoot a gun and do a car chase and all sorts of stuff. This is uh, this is on the internet, by the way. If you want to see this, it's been edited down, and I'm I'm playing along the entire time and pretending I don't know anything about it. And then the the end of the the day was me being kidnapped. So I walk out of the building and I'm kidnapped by some people who put a a, a sack over my head. Don't worry, I'm Northern Irish. I took it in my stride. <laughs> and then they bundled me onto a helicopter, and I don't know where we were, but it took about an hour to get back to London. And it was amazing. I'd never been on a helicopter before and they they took the sack off my head because it was just pretend folks. And I got to see London. It was amazing. We landed at the Heliport. Cool. Then they put the sack back on my head. Right. And they drove me to the Corinthia Hotel.
2: <laughs> not an undisclosed location
0: then. <laughs> not an undisclosed Well, he's not there anymore. <laughs> so
3: I'm, I think it's okay to say it's a Corinthia. Uh better and, that than the Corinthians hotel, because that's a very different experience. Oh dear. Sandman's view though. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff.
2: Teeth Rise. Yeah.
0: Keep that shit to the pilot TV podcast where it <laughs> belongs. Hey, the
2: Sandman is great. I like Sandman. That's right. So, I'm just right. going to say, I'm going okay. to keep talking about it.
0: Enter Sandman. Uh, does <laughs> not mean anything. Uh, so, and great then song, they then. they dragged me through a corridor,
3: sat me down, and there was Kenneth Branagh. Is the Sandman still going on?
2: Apparently so. Yeah. Okay. So it ended as it began with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah,
3: and you did an interview with him, didn't you? He I did, did interview with you. Yeah,
0: call him about. a bastard. That is the stunt I would like to do most and that is right. the end of that segment.
6: Hooray! <laughs> hooray!
0: Hooray for everybody involved. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, Imagine what the second half of this podcast is going to be like. It's, just, it's so good. It's going to be so good. It is going to be so good. He so said good. desperately trying to convince himself. I shall mean, we have a guest? Shall we? let we? Sit. Let's sync up a guest and then is when we come Branner? back after the guest. It's not <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> have you abducted I'm him? I'm going to put a sack, put off a your, sack over his <laughs> I'm going to put a sack over your head and make you do a bungee jump. <laughs>
3: Definitely of the water. Definitely in the water. Did he? Yeah. Did he at any point stick a light bulb in your mouth when you were doing this interview with him? <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yes, he did. We don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, what was I saying? Guess who do you want? So we have Alan Cumming, or we have Owen Wilson and the two directors of so that film. Coming first.
2: I think we should delay coming and <laughs> two well, well, secret
0: is- the two directors. I think we got. The You've got the the male and female perspective on lovemaking right there <laughs> one wanted to go straight for the come get it out of the way and never get with the delay rest of the day. Gratification
3: no yeah until everyone's satisfied
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, i'm going to go i i think I, I think helen's way is the best way <laughs> Clearly, it's not a way I practice myself, but oh, it's, you know... Coming later then. Nevertheless, yes, we're going we're gonna to have some coming later on. And uh, right now, that means we're going to have Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, who is the star of Secret Headquarters, which is a fun little superhero capered comedy for kids that is on Paramount Plus right now. It is the latest film from Henry Juist and Ariel Shulman, the guys behind Catfish and Project Power and uh, owen wilson plays the world's greatest superhero called the guard and uh, his son who's a bit estranged he doesn't quite get on with his dad thinks his dad's a bit of a loser brings some friends around to his dad's house one day and finds his dad's secret headquarters ah. which is his badass guard Bad cave That yeah. yeah that owen wilson has carved out and realizes oh my god my dad is the greatest superhero in the world but oh no Michael Pena has shown up and he's a bad apple and he wants to take the guard's powers for himself. What will happen? Who will win the day? <laughs> but I had fun with it and uh, I had fun talking to Owen Wilson and the film's directors, Justin Schulman, Henry and Rell, as they prefer to be called these days, uh, when I spoke to them on Zoom recently. And we started off by reminding Owen of the last time he and I had uh, spoken to each other, which was just after Woody Harrelson had finished filming his live movie, Lost in London, and Owen Wilson ended up in a very unusual position vis-a-vis me. Here you go. Do please enjoy. Owen, hello. Uh, the last time we, in- I, we spoke was after the Q&A that I hosted after you guys shot Lost in London live in 2017. No way. And I don't know if you remember this. You ended up sitting on my knee.
4: Yeah, uh I don't remember <laughs> that, but uh I felt like when I saw your face just now, I felt like I like this guy, you know? So, uh I, I didn't realize knee. that we have like uh this history. <laughs> but I was sitting on your knee?
0: You was sitting by... on my knee because it was just pure chaos
4: after that screening and then oh, I was well, sitting interviewing right. Woody and then all piled in.
0: Everybody piled yeah, in.
4: What a, what a, did you this was this um movie that Woody Harrelson did where we shot it live in oh. one take yeah and uh called lost in london and um
5: yeah i remember that sounds like it should have been a chaotic screening
4: yeah it was and it was sort of like a a pay-per-view type thing uh that you could see but uh yeah uh i mean you've got to sort of admire woody for pulling that off
0: Absolutely. It was, a, it was a hell of a thing to watch. And uh, Henry and Rel, I mean, for you guys, uh, what would happen if someone interviewed you immediately after you finished filming a movie? Would you be mulch? after so immediately <laughs> the, the second you finished filming on Secret Headquarters and I came up and I interviewed you, what, what what would that be like for you? Would you just be like, go away, I don't need this for another few months?
5: No, no, you know what, you, you don't want those moments to end because as soon as you forget that you were filming, there's like a depression that sets in. That's when the
1: emptiness creeps back yeah.
5: in. As <laughs> soon as it's done. The void. The void. Yeah, once you stop having someone tell you exactly where to be at what time tomorrow, you start to ask yourself, who, who am I? What am I doing tomorrow? <laughs> What was the feeling when you guys finished? I guess you, you're never
4: really finished as the problem well, is now. directors. You just move on to sort of, you know, a new set of problems and challenges. Well, and now you we keep edit. working on the movie. Yeah. 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 So um, we've
1: learned you immediately go on vacation for one week. Yeah. Know, after.
5: Yeah. You know, I went to Italy thing. right away. Yeah. But you know what uh, we could work on is making sure the last shot is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Last couple movies, for whatever reason, it's ended up being a really boring insert shot wasn't it? And so it's just like an anticlimactic finish. We've got a couple bottles of champagne and we're ready to celebrate, but it's just like a pencil <laughs> yeah. going into a pencil sharpener or worse.
1: <laughs> I can't remember what it was on this. Yeah. And then
5: you're like it's done.
1: Yeah, that could be exciting seeing that, yeah. you know. And we had some sparkling apple cider for the kids. Yeah, oh yeah. Right.
5: Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was in the G-mobile. It was yeah. uh on set with the G-mobile.
4: I had a great you know, what's funny is I'm remembering, you know, my last day of shooting on Secret Headquarters, and I had a great toast that I was going to do. I'm not, uh, I don't love public speaking, but um, for some reason, I was thinking that I was going to, you know, that feeling where they're going to ask you to kind of say something. So I had like a <laughs> toast kind of worked up uh, that was really good, uh, but then I never got to use it. Oh, yeah. no. Well,
1: Right now. Yeah,
4: no, because now <laughs> I've, I've forgotten it. But uh, oh. I even was practicing oh, yeah, yeah, that
5: day. I'm sorry we didn't yeah. ask you.
4: Well, I'd gotten into this sort of thing, you know, because I'd been scared of public speaking, where then I officiated a friend's wedding and I did some other things that I was like, you know what? I'm going to start confronting, facing this fear a For bit you. more. So even something like, you know, when I finish this, if it comes up in sort of a organic way, I'll just say mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. words describing what a good time I had with <laughs> with you guys filming, and
5: um, so. Oh, well, yeah. I don't want to put. I won't put you on the spot right now, but perhaps tonight at the premiere there might be an opportunity to say something. I'm. You know what? I'm going to ask uh, Quimby because I've worked on. Yeah, I'll
4: see the stuff that I had. It was really good. At, oh, uh, I hate to think that it's lost. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what's it like for you when you are wrapping a film? Because when you're on, when you're on your last shot, because you know that you're going to be saying goodbye to this character, but you also know in a few seconds you're going to be getting the crew giving you a round of applause. I've been lucky enough to watch people be wrapped out, you know, be being shot out of a movie, and you're going to get some kick-ass
4: gift as well. So you must be there. Must well, be excitement. These, I mean, the kick-ass gift. Um, they, maybe it's ever since DVDs went away, they, they, they don't give you the <laughs> kick-ass anymore, gifts yeah. anymore. Uh, but uh, you are sort of prepared. I, what I do sort of pay attention to when I start a movie or working on something is hoping that my birthday doesn't fall during the shoot because <laughs> I don't like it's sort of a similar feeling where you know that there's going to be something where. Um, You know, okay, and we have a special birthday today, and I I just don't like the attention of it. Uh, And it's kind of similar with when they say, and that's a picture wrap on Mr. Wilson, uh, and everyone kind of claps and stuff, but then it, you know, it is kind of a... uh, you know, like that feeling with your birthday the day after you're like, God, that was kind of yeah. uh, fun. And, and, so and I, yeah, yeah, and I do kind of, uh, you know, miss everybody, you know, getting lots of little messages and stuff. Um,
5: you know, the kids were really good about it. I, I learned a lot from them. They were, they were crying, they were hugging, they were milking really the moment that it ended. And I was like, we should we should all appreciate we should all cry more, first of (laughs) all, Uh, and we should appreciate how hard it is, but how much fun we have for that three months where we're in like a film summer camp for filmmaking. Yeah, I really Um, hate when it ends. Yeah. yeah, and it
4: is you, you know a family. right. Yeah. Uh, and, and back to sort of how this interview began with Woody. Uh, I remember Woody saying to me like, if you're on a film set and you're not feeling really lucky to be there, there's a problem. Yeah. And uh, and so right, yeah. So that feeling of
5: um, yeah, uh, that pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I remember what your last shot was, and it was the flying. It was in on the, the guard sound. suit. Stay. yeah. the helmet. And yeah. yeah, a phone thing. call with your wife in a flying yeah. superhero suit. Yeah. Excuse me, x yeah. 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 one, so
0: Yeah. That's a hell of a thing. But I, I imagine also this this set, this particular set, was a, a very nice one to find yourselves, all three of you on. Because how much of that set, the secret headquarters itself, that's a, that's a very, very kick-ass location. How much of that was there? How much of it was real? And how much of it was, shall we say, enhanced?
4: Well, you do have kind of, you'll hear about actors that it's written into their contract that they get to keep their wardrobe. And uh, I would have loved to have kept that set uh, if somehow that could have been organized to sort of fly that set to to Hawaii Hawaii. (laughs) Um, Uh, and just bulldoze my house. (laughs) set For there because the set was usually with a set they're sort of you know it's there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there wasn't much smoke and mirrors like it really was before, a huge before you
5: showed up we have had to fight tooth and nail to build that set as big as we did well it took over that whole mall yeah in, in atlanta the, the idea was can we build if it's going to be the titular character is the set the movie's about the secret headquarters it's got to be cool and sure you could do cgi extension but we figured it would be so lame if the kids showed up on set and it wasn't awe inspiring. Yeah. we had to tell them what to imagine. Oh yeah. So the goal was like build it so that when they walk in, we'll put blindfolds on them, we'll take them off. And if they don't say wow, then we've screwed yeah. up. Yeah.
4: And then it's like one less thing to act. Yeah. Yeah. you, know? yeah, you said that a lot on set. Yeah. That was so your advice to the kids. It's a, it's a great uh thing, yeah, when you have it. Uh and somehow when you were just talking about that wanting to get that reaction from us, which I think you guys obviously succeeded in. Um, yeah, that's that's not a good feeling. I remember we had a, a 80th birthday for my mother and we organized some fireworks and the fireworks uh, they they just screwed up and they didn't work so much so that my friend was calling them the quiet works oh. <laughs> and uh and so that's not a good feeling yes. to uh but luckily we had a band there and there was other stuff that did worked so i think my mother did enjoy her birthday did you get uh yeah really yeah how'd it go yeah i think it crushed I think my toast, yeah. Like I said, I was on a roll there
5: for a while. A couple jokes, but some earnest, serious stuff. Yeah. Nice. Oh, actually, more jokes than earnest stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There was a great tip that Owen gave the kids throughout filming, uh, which was uh, acting's hard enough. I guess do as little of it as you can. Yeah, <laughs> like right. If if you have to be exhausted in a scene, you have to have to be tired. Why don't you get yourself actually tired? And it's one less thing to worry one about. Less one thing less thing to act. act. Yeah, um, and that's. Um,
4: I believe Lawrence Olivier used to talk you about that? that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember Walker took it overboard one time. And he got—he was supposed to be out of breath in a scene. Yeah, remember? And he was just sprinting circles around the set like and the Tasmanian devil. And, and then and when, when we the rolled the camera, we couldn't even and, understand what he was saying. Yeah, so
5: it's a learning process. That. Yeah.
4: yeah,
0: That's literally what happened with uh, Olivier on on Marathon Man. That, that great story with Dustin Hoffman. You know, why, have you tried acting, dear boy? Which is which is just a good, great
5: line. But yeah, uh, yeah, well, Olivier was running around the, the reservoir. At no, first. no,
4: no. I think actually, but that that story doesn't really work with what we're saying because we're saying more the Dustin Hoffman to go ahead and just stay mm. up, so then you don't have to act the being tired right. and living. Oh, okay, act it. Uh, there's got to there's so, got to
0: be uh, a middle ground, a nice yeah, middle ground.
4: There's lots of ways to right. slice exactly.
0: <laughs> but was that was that part of the appeal for you, uh, Owen? Oh, in, in particular, I guess with this because that that connection between between jack and charlie is really lovely and there's this there's this thread that runs through this movie about how for kids dads are unknowable inscrutable creatures but dads are just as terrified of
4: the other as well yeah i, I think what you just said that that right that that dads are sort of um it's funny my uh ford my 11 year old um father's day just passed and he had he had written me a very nice note kind of saying, you know, uh, you know some version of, uh, you know, I love you, all that stuff, but you're never afraid. And I was saying like, gosh, I think I'm afraid of stuff a lot. Uh, but <laughs> the way he sees it, right. I'm not really. Right. Uh, or you seem to have like, the answer for everything. And so that is, I think, what I kind of responded to when I read the story is that sort of the way we do see our parents as kind of perfect and then, uh the struggle sort of you know as you sort of uh begin to see your parents in a more human way and then how you kind of um communicate with um you know that and so i thought that between jack and charlie that stuff felt kind of real
5: good and were you nervous to burst his bubble that you in fact are scared of things
4: um no, I'd let him go ahead and just yeah. keep things. About it. <laughs> he'll figure it <laughs> he'll out sooner or later. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah.
0: And uh, Henry and Rel, I mean, you, you've come on to this movie uh, pretty much straight off Project Power. And both of those are. Movies that, that play with the superhero genre, but they also comment on it as well. And we're in, we're still in the middle of this superhero movie phase, which is now going on twenty years and counting. So I don't think it's a phase anymore. I think this is this is here to stay. And it's it's surprising to me that there are aren't not, there aren't as many movies like Project Power and this that have sprung up in the in the wake of the Marvel and the DC movies. Uh, can you talk about that? Is that is that a, a fascination for both of you guys?
5: Yeah, you know what? I think we, the Marvel and DC movies do a great job Mm -hmm. uh, of owning their own sphere and doing what they do and making this genre as long lasting as it is. So when we get into it, because, you know, we're trying to work as filmmakers, and sometimes you have to tell your story about themes that people are interested in right now. But our perspective has always been, well, what if it happened to real people? What if you didn't have to wait to get bitten by a spider? What if you didn't have to be lucky or unlucky enough to get pushed into a vat of like nuclear acid <laughs> or whatever happened to the Joker. Yeah. Um, uh, what if it was just some, uh, you know, some gadgets, What if yeah. it was technology that helped mm-hmm. you become more powerful, what do if- always
1: talk about? Like, what's the conversation? What's the fun conversation that people are going to have after watching this movie? I think with this one, it's about it's the conversation we've been having since we were in prep and while we were making the movie, which was about our own dads and our own relationships and our own families and even ourselves. Like, I think the movie, it's a it's a superhero movie and it's about and the kids are the kids defeat the bad guys and stuff like that. But it's also about, you know, do I spend too much time working as opposed to time with my family? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what was my dad, uh, you know. My dad was a superhero to me, and then I realized at a certain point in my life that he's just a human being who makes mistakes and has and is afraid of things and mm-hmm. has, you know, problems. And that's a deeper relationship than just thinking someone's a superhero. So we're always trying to think we're always trying to find that thing that's and in Project Power too, it was like, you know, about the about the war on drugs and about kind of, you know, this this side of superhero movies that you don't always see. So that's what powers are secondary. Yeah. We're big fans of the genre, but we're always looking at, like, what's the what's the kind of human connection in this story that we can that we can think about?
4: Yeah. And it's funny thinking about my dad and uh, my brothers and I kind of idolizing my dad. And then, of course, your dad, um, you know, and as you get older, you have more of kind of a human relationship. And but it doesn't diminish at all uh, the. The love, uh, in fact, it can sort of, um, you know, I think even deepen it yeah. when you do have kind of, mm-hmm. you know, move into that more, um, um, you know, vulnerable um, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, well, guys, I could talk to you about this for a lot longer, but sadly, uh, that is my time, so I'll let you go. But uh, Henry, Owen, Rail, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, indeed.
5: Thank you. It, it may Thank not you. seem like it, but the movie's a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> That to say uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's <a> comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, 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 leave that, we'll, uh, we'll get that in there. Well, I'll accentuate it I'll, I'll give it echo uh, okay. and everything. Thanks, guys.
2: Well, that was Owen Wilson and Henry and Rell, the directors of Secret Headquarters, um, and Owen Wilson, who didn't direct it. Um, uh, but we're back. Uh, we did say we might sound a little bit different when we got back. That's because we were running out of time in the studio yesterday and we are now on Squadcast. And I'm speaking because uh, Chris is, through unavoidable circumstances, stuck in traffic, so he's going to be with us in a few minutes. But in the meantime, due to other circumstances, namely me having an entire horde to feed <laughs> load this evening, we're going to kick on with movie news. So it's me and James. Hello. Hi. Hi. uh, What has been happening this week in the world of movie news?
3: What has happened, news? I did see the Wednesday trailer, which is obviously our first look at the Wednesday Adams TV series, and I liked it. I liked what I saw.
2: I really liked it as well. I have so much affection for those Adams Family movies. Um, I realise that there are some, you know, comics purists who would argue with the casting, for example, of Raúl Juliá as as Gomez because he's far too mm-hmm. handsome for the role. I personally don't care. I thought he was a joy in that role, and I think he and Morticia are goals, frankly. Um, but it, uh, yeah, this looks this looks immense fun. It's Catherine Zeta Jones yeah. having a good time. Um, is Louise Guzman having a good time? You know, it's, you know, some obnoxious swimmers in the pool having a less good time due to the injection of some piranhas and presumably in fairness, piranhas not having a good time because they're suddenly in chlorinated water, which would be bad for them. People don't do that to your piranhas. That's literally the thing that went
3: through my head when she dropped them in. I was like, those piranhas would probably just like die straight away because the amount of chlorine in that pool. Yeah. Although one of them did eat a a sort of an ornery teenager's cock or a horny teenager's cock. Could have been either. Could have been both. Uh, but it did. So that was, uh, was unexpected.
2: Unexpected, uh, but not unwelcome in that case. So if you haven't seen the Wednesday trailer yet, do check it out. Um, that is obviously the Adams Family sort of spin-off with a slightly older Wednesday, uh, really getting into her stride, I think, as a as a person. We've also had a first look at Enola Holmes too, but mostly in pictures yeah. so far. It looks like an Enola Holmes movie. It does. I'm gonna be honest with you. There, there is 19th century stuff happening, and Henry Cavill in uh Deer yeah. Hunter Cake. So want. wonderful. And this was an interesting one. Robert De Niro starring in Wise Guys. Have you read about this I, story? I did,
3: I did see this. So obviously, Robert De Niro, who had, to the best of my knowledge, has never played any kind of organised crime persona in his career. So this would be a new a new departure for him. Uh, which is nice. So this is a Barry Levinson film. It's based on a true story and it's about Vito Genovese and Frank Costello. And they were two Italian-American crime bosses uh, and they ran their sort of families, well, this was mid-20th century, I think 1957. Uh, and Genovese attempted to assassinate Costello, but failed. When you come at King Helen, you best not miss. Uh, but he was wounded when that's he true. did it and he decided to retire. I didn't know that retirement was an option when you were like a, a mafia boss, but apparently you can retire, presumably with like a pension and benefits. And then you go to Eastbourne. Um,
2: um, I'm not sure that's entirely correct, but uh, yes, well, he certainly hopes it's possible to retire. The interesting thing about this to me is that De Niro is apparently going to play both of those main roles. Uh, I don't know if that means he gets paid twice. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's, you know, trying to be extremely efficient in his filmmaking choices. Um, but uh, but yeah, it sounds quite fun. So Nicholas Pelleggi, who wrote um, Goodfellas, essentially, uh, apparently wrote the script here. So that's that's an interesting and exciting idea. No idea what that's going to look like, but. Um, I guess it'll look like Robert De Niro. Yeah, well, for you the most would think. Part. You would think. Yeah.
3: What else has happened in
2: news? Well, if we're speaking about sort of classic genres, classic films, yes. um, there's another bit of exciting news, which is to do with The Wizard of Oz. Now, Kenya Barris has apparently joined uh, the new version of The Wizard of Oz to write and direct. Um, you know, this is a bit of an interesting take. He's, of course, the creator of Blackish. The Wizard of Oz is, yes. A classic movie. Uh, I just did an argument about it actually on Radio 5 last week, arguing uh, whether it's the greatest musical ever made. I say it's not the greatest musical ever made, but it is a great musical that was made. So can and should you remake it is a question that people will be asking. Of course, what you should bear in mind with that is that The Wizard of Oz was itself a remake. There had been a previous, in fact, I think two previous Wizard of Oz's before the 1939 version that we all know. It has, of course, been remade since with uh, in, in, a, in a fashion with the Wiz. Uh, there has, of course, been Return to Oz since and things oh, like that. Never
3: mentioned that film. Terrifying.
2: Oh, it's so scary. So scary. I'm still not over it. But, you know, th- so this could be a really interesting new take on it.
3: And if you don't like the fact that it exists, then you don't have to watch it because you can pay no attention to the movie behind the curtain. So that's uh, <laughs> that's fine.
2: And the fact is as well that Frank Elbaum, who wrote the book, um, has written I think thirteen more of them. So there's a lot of different stories there. If you mm. don't want to tell the sort of classic Wizard of Oz story, if you want to, if you want to, you know, go in a slightly different direction, mix it up a bit, there is a lot of material there that Barris could play with and do something very, very different with. So. Yeah, I'm interested. We don't know yet if it'll be a musical. We don't know if it's going to be, you know, similar in in tone, if it's going to be aimed at the same kind of, Mm. you know, age group as the original film. Uh, But it is happening, it seems. I think
3: it'll have a lot of heart. I think it'll have a lot of courage. And I think it'll have a lot of brains, too.
2: Well, let's hope so. Otherwise, uh, certain characters are going to be very disappointed. Kung Fu Panda 4
3: is arriving in 2024. I didn't even know we were getting another Kung Fu Panda, but apparently we are. Jack Black is once again going to be mixing it up as Poe, the... Kung Fu Panda, panda. Uh, mm. and the picture that we have here involves him some dim sum, obviously, and some very small baby pandas. So all of these Ooh. things I think are generally a plus when you're making a new movie. So
2: good. More pandas, more
3: more bow
2: problems. I was going to say, but that didn't make any sense. Yeah. But no, this the, the yeah, who doesn't love a panda? That's, that's cool.
3: right. So that's good. Uh, what else have we got? Viola Davis has joined the Hunger Games prequel. I'm still not sold on this film generally, The Ballad of Songbirds no. and Snakes, but Viola Davis makes everything better. So I'm more excited now.
2: Yeah, I I mean, she is fantastic. Uh, We know this is about the future Coriolanus. He's he's already Coriolanus Snow. He's the future president Snow. Uh, He'll be played by Tom Blythe. We know that Rachel Zegler will be uh, the girl from... District 12, who's going through the Hunger Games, uh, Lucy Gray Baird. We also know that Davis is going to be Dr. Volumina Gold, who is apparently the head game maker on this, the 10th annual Hunger Games. So she is basically a baddie in this, unless there is a, a, a sudden swerve to goodness. It is a little bit hard to get excited about this story 65 years before the one we know, yeah. and presumably resulting in, you know, essentially loss for the good guys. As Snow, you know, ascends his... Evil throne. ...career yeah. upwards. Yeah, evil throne and just, you know, keeps going up and up. So it, I'm not quite sure who we wrote for, apart from obviously Zegler. But it, it does seem a little worrying.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm, but, I mean, look, Helen, have we ever, in our entire lives, ever seen a situation where any kind of sci-fi prequel has been disappointing? And I say, no, we haven't. So, you know, this can only go well.
2: I, I mean, I, I find your faith uh, disturbing. Sorry, <laughs> I find your... Uh, Yes. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're right. Every day is Christmas Eve. And this does have great people in it. You know, it's Peter Dinklage is in there as well. Jason Schwartzman is in there. You know, obviously they they've been told something that is exciting to them all to get them on board and I don't think it's just a check with lots of zeros on the end. So I'm 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 hopeful that there's there's really exciting stuff there to to get our teeth into. Agreed. Also, this week um Emily Blunt signed up to join The Fall Guy. Uh, Ryan Gosling's already aboard, um, and David Lynch is directing.
3: Yes, that is exciting. Anything with David Lynch is exciting. Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. always here for this. But I don't know. Like, So what are your, how do you feel? What is your you feeling, Helen? What's your gut What's feeling? It? Is it positive? Is it watched, negative? Are you in the middle?
2: I, I never watched the TV show. I have no strong feelings about The Fall Guy. It wasn't one of my, you know, Hollywood reruns, maybe, when I was growing up, that I that I particularly got into. So he was a he was a stuntman, right? The who, unknown
3: stuntman, Helen, who makes Eastwood look unknown. so fine.
2: I see. And and then he is a side hustle as a bounty hunter?
3: I mean, who even knows? But obviously, uh, Lee Majors was iconic in this. I watched this a lot when I was a kid. Uh, I used to know the music off my heart. Now I just know that one line. Uh, and I remember he had a nice pickup truck and he had a lovely brown leather jacket with, I want to say, a bird of some kind on the back. <laughs> but yeah, so he was a stuntman and he solved crimes because right. okay. you would, you would
2: solve. Well, I, I would certainly if I were a and I would solve crimes. Yeah. That's a thing that that's, definitely goes together. Something Tom Cruise could love to do. You know. <laughs> Emily Blunt is uh, is great in action stuff. Speaking of Tom Cruise, you know, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. She she can hold her own in the action stakes. So that could be cool. Obviously, uh, Ryan Gosling is uh, is is the full guy. Is is starring in it. But um, yeah. I guess this is a thing that's happening. I'm intrigued. Uh did you see the uh Ed Scrine video this week?
3: <laughs> I saw the news about the Ed Scrine thing. So he wants a second shot at Music Stardom was the uh, was the headline that I saw. Uh so this is the trailer for I Used to Be Famous. Um uh which is on Netflix. Yep. Sure and is. he's essentially a guy who was in a boy band and now he's kind of having a comeback or at least wants to make a comeback by performing in the streets of Peckham, which is what I would, of course, do where I'd stage uh, a musical boy band comeback.
2: No, so, you wouldn't. You'd never go near Peckham. You're, you're scared right. of anywhere in London. Yeah. And he forms an unlikely bond with um, a young drummer who has autism and their friendship might be his his path back because this guy gives his, gives his songs a little something extra. Yeah. I mean... It, yeah, yeah, I feel like the whole movie is in the trailer, but presumably <laughs> even it'll, in longer form, it's it's going to be there's going to be something there. So that that was kind of charming. The fact that he looks so much like Bross k- Does, kept throwing he? me, not he?
3: But the mm. thing is, Ed Skrein actually has got like massive washed up boy band star looks. Like, like that's I think that's excellent casting.
2: Oh yeah, He has the cheap for it, no question. Yeah. yeah. He'll he'll keep us going until we get our uh, four town uh, animated <laughs> Pixar uh, documentary. One but day. Uh, in the meantime, we've got him, and then finally this week, uh, in the in the fairly big news stakes at least, uh, we've got uh, some new cast members for Jeff Nichols' The Bike Riders, and really really cool people. So he's already got Austin Butler, mm. the King. He's got Tom Hardy. He's got Jodie Comer, and he's now added Michael Shannon, Boyd Holbrook, and Damon Herriman. That's a pretty cool lineup of people.
3: It's a good cast. It's a good cast. It is
2: a very good cast, yeah. So it's an original story set in the 60s about a fictional Midwestern motorcycle club, presumably... As a fan of a certain show, you're going to be watching this with uh, bated
3: breath. I, it has to be said, like since Sons of Anarchy, I've just become slightly obsessed with the whole MC culture. And, but the thing is, I wonder whether it's it's the same thing that draws me into fantasy stuff. It's that world within a world thing, the sort of secret societies, you know, arcane rules, kind of crazy stuff. And, and that's that's why I love Sons of Anarchy, and I thought it was great. And I watch uh, Mayans MC, which is a spin-off show as well. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch this. Um, I'm all about the MCs. I am a 1%er, Helen
2: are you yes. yes and and what do you yourself ride
3: i i i have an exercise bike does that count i thought that was your answer <laughs> <laughs> it's very good
2: <laughs> yeah how, how many horsepower oh, loads that? loads of horsepower <laughs> mainly
3: my leg power if i'm honest with you but uh you know ah. it's, it's it's good it's made by harley it's davidson good probably.
2: There you go, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few more uh, trailers like this week. Uh, Queen Latifah is um, going to the end of the road, but we should also talk about some rather sadder news uh, yes. that happened uh, this week. So we lost uh, Wolfgang Peterson, aged 81, the director of Das Boot, of course, um, in The Line of Fire, The Perfect Storm, and uh, we were just speaking about uh, The Wizard of Oz, but the similarly popular never-ending story mm. as well. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I think he was probably best known for his his action work, but it's one of those careers where, when you look at it, he actually did so much varied stuff. Troy as well, yep. um, outbreak, which I remember being absolutely I, terrified I of when outbreak. I saw that. In the I know it's flawed, mm.
3: but I really liked outbreak when they came out. I think cause it was during that period where everyone was slightly obsessed with Ebola and things like that. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, I thought outbreak. I have to say. Of all his films, so I interviewed him for Poseidon back in 2006, which is another film that I very much enjoyed. Uh, but of all of the films he's done, it has to be in the line of fire for me. I love that so much. Mm. Any film Fantastic. that references pigeons in his final line is okay by me, but it's <laughs> it's beautifully shot. It's incredibly tense. Uh, really tense. Yeah, it's a great Eastwood film, that is. Love
2: it. It really is. And, and also, I mean, I have I've a huge soft spot for Air Force One. Harrison Ford's mm-hmm. pointing game no, has never been It's stronger. on point, you might say. It is Literally on point, yeah. yes. Um, not to mention, obviously, the masterpiece that is Das Boot. I mean, um, uh, that that was that is cited by pretty much every director of a war movie uh, ever since. Well, that it in is, itself is uh, a bit of a
3: never-ending story. It's a very, very long thing.
2: It, it is a very long film, but you know, you get that sense of claustrophobia, you get that sense of dread um, from being in this enclosed space for such a long time. It is an absolute, mm. ab- absolutely astonishing film. If you haven't seen it. Please do check it out.
3: Also, Enemy Mine, which I think is one of the mm. sort of lesser watched ones of his. Louis Gossett Jr., Dennis Quaid. That's a really good one about two, well, enemies, alien and a human who crash together and have to work together to survive. A little bit, uh, Darmok but uh, with slightly less, you know, meme game.
2: Uh, yeah, a good remake, a, a rare, you know, use of uh, making a remake of, of a sort of straight war movie into a sci-fi war mm. movie and uh, and making it work. But yeah, um, so Wolfgang Peterson uh, died this week at the age of 81 and also this week at the age of only 53, uh, the actress Anne Hesch died um, in in a car crash. She was known, obviously, for the likes of Six Days, Seven Nights, Donnie Brasco um, and Volcano, where she is committed even though the film is very very stupid around her but she she's I love her in that she's really fun um but uh but yeah it was uh, a horrendous accident um basically uh, her car drove into your house and um and yeah her uh, she, she sustained horrible in- injuries but i mean you know i think she was one of those careers that would seemed to be going up and up and up mm. into the 90s and i i suspect a little bit of homophobia after she came out uh, a lot of those opportunities seemed to vanish but she wasn't you know good films like the juror i know what you did last summer wag the dog you know when she was kind of on that hot streak um john q um the very interesting albeit very unsuccessful psycho remake um and the likes of cedar rapids and she did you know good work in recent years uh on tv as well in the likes of uh, the brave and everwood and um and so on. So, uh, yeah, she's she's survived by two sons, and uh, our thoughts are with them right now. Anne Hesh, who died at the age of 53. But we have a, a, a surprise visitor. Look who has reached us. Chris. He's here. Hey, look at Anne.
0: Seamless. We've beaten rush hour traffic uh, to get home. So uh, I missed the news. Was there anything good?
2: I mean, not really. <laughs>
0: Great. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, RIP Wolfgang Peterson, uh, by the way. Yeah. You know, what a what a director! What a guy! What a legend! Anyway, speaking of guys and speaking of legends, um, it's time for a bit of Cumming. We the delayed gratification that we asked for, that Helen asked for in the studio, uh, is now no longer delayed because it is our interview with Alan Cumming, who is the star, and that's a very interesting use of the word, uh, of this week's very strange but very entertaining documentary, My Old School. This is a tricky one to talk about, mm. isn't it? Because I don't want to give away too much here, but let's just say this is about... We give, we give away a lot in the interview with Alan Cumming, by the way. So, you know, only listen to the Alan Cumming interview if you've seen my old school. But in terms of setting it up, he, he, he lip-syncs the documentary's lead character who doesn't want to appear on camera. And so Alan Cumming lip-syncs this guy, and there's a reason why... The director of the film, John McLeod, chose Alan Cumming to lip-sync this guy who was at the heart of a scandal at a Scottish school, a school in Glasgow in the, uh would have been, 1980s? 1990s. 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 A school in the 1990s. Uh, it made headline news uh, across the entire country. Uh, so, so look it up. Look it up. Look up Brandon Lee, Glasgow School, and you will see exactly the levels of madness that unfold in this documentary, and why Alan Cumming is the only person who could possibly have lip-synced this lead character. So, Alan Cumming, you know him, he's amazing. He's in films like GoldenEye, X-Men 2. Did we talk about any of that stuff? No, of course we didn't. Did we talk about this? Yes. Did we talk about the fact he has a bagel? Yes. Did we talk about the fact that he's come to terms with how his name could be, possibly, a euphemism for sexual gratification? What? Yes. Did we talk about other stuff? Yes, yes we did. And we had a grand old time doing so when he came into the studio last week, in fact. So here we go. Alan Cumming, in your ears right now. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Emperor podcast by the star of the cracking documentary, My Old School, Alan Cumming. How are you, sir? Pretty good, thank you. I thought you were going to give me a longer introduction. I no. was daydreaming
6: there. I thought you said <laughs> I was waiting for accolades, <laughs> awards. I'm so so sorry.
0: Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to introduce yourself? I yes. Mean, yeah.
6: It's Alan Cumming, internationally renowned actor, author, amateur barman, <laughs> and generally good guy. Rack Raconteur, Let's hope.
0: Well, the next, yes. The next Otherwise, this is going to be a tough 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I was, just, I was just telling you off, off mic that I saw this at the St. Andrews Film Festival. This was the opening night film at the opening St. Andrews Film, the inaugural St. Andrews Film yes, Festival. Yes, what's his name? That bloke,
6: that Hollywood producer, his child went to St. Uh, yeah. Andrews University and decided to spruce
0: things up in he's, Fife. He's become a benefactor. Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. And uh, uh, so, I went on the opening night to, to watch this film. I knew two things about it. It was called My Old School. Uh, and you were in it. <laughs> I'd seen the still of you at the school desk. And that very attractive look for me. <laughs> it really does. It's, it really completes a look for you, I think. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I was blown away by it because this is an incredible story. So yeah. it's hard to talk about without telling people to see the movie first and then come back and we can dig into it a little bit. Hmm. So I'm going to do that right now. So people stop listening to this interview, go and see my old school, then come back. And Alan <laughs> and I, we wouldn't have moved. So <laughs> then we, you can just resume the conversation and then we can we can carry on and see if you know what we're talking about, uh, because this is a hell of a story, and your yeah. involvement with it, yes, floored me. Uh, as I know, well. isn't it nuts? I mean,
6: it's, I think what, so that was because I so 20, well twenty five years ago, even more. I was going to do a drama of this. Yeah, it was called it was called Younger Than Springtime. I looked it up recently. It Declan Hughes wrote the screenplay, right? Irish writer and. I was going to direct it and I was going to play him as well because was, I was sort of early 30s then. So I looked, I was kind of in the same, I could have faked it as a teenager, hopefully. And then it fell apart. Yeah. And it's just kind of the money fell out. And, you know, that happens all the time in little films. And so I just thought, of, oh, it's a shame. Thought no more about it. Went on with my life. And then 25 years later, I come, I get this, I get asked by my friend Jono, who's the director of this, to be in this film and, and like what's so crazy I was like oh my god John, it's so crazy you should ask me because I was going to play him 25 years ago he's like yes I know that's also why I'm asking you so I, I now lip sync to the real person's words but he didn't he wanted to be uh, heard but not seen in it and it's, yes it's, it's, it's so funny because now I've got my hair dyed black so I'm playing Robert Burns in, in, in the, in the theatre right now and so I look much younger than I actually am and I'm seeing pictures of myself looking like Curly-haired old grave, wobbly old guy
0: everywhere in this film. It's very discombobulating. I mean, it must be a hell of a thing. So, so this was going to be, it was 25 years ago, first of all. This was then, I'm guessing, pre... Yeah, it would have been the days to kind of work out. This was pre-the anniversary party.
2: Yes. For you. So the,
0: would this yes. have been effectively it, your directorial debut? As a, well, it would have uh, been the first screen. feature. Yeah. I'd done
6: uh, a short film here called Butter. And played film festival. I think Channel Four was it was on Channel Four. And then I did another thing for BBC Two, like a short screen two, like a half hour screen two, where I was in it as well. So I directed two things. But so it was the logical next step. Yeah. Was to do that. But then then the next thing I actually did do was the anniversary party with Jennifer Jason lee So the,
0: years later. this wasn't something that you wallowed in for for ages after the funding fell apart. It wasn't that far down the line. I'm guessing you hadn't. You'd cast yourself, but you hadn't really got to that stage of casting or.
6: No, Prepping. we were, I mean, it was sort of, I, w- I was in New York doing cabaret. And so that was kind of... Uh, was that the first time or the, yeah, <laughs> the 17th <this> uh, <laughs> Well, uh, the first time in New York. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love that you could differentiate that. I know. I always say it when I say about but I was in cabaret the first time <laughs> or the second time. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. That might have delayed it. I can't remember exactly. what. I think it's just the money fell out, you know, as these things yeah. do. But it was, I just sort of moved on, you know, because that happens all the time, you know, when you're in films, you, like right now, the number of things I'm attached to, if they all actually happened, it would be a nightmare. I'd be like, I would, I would have to have you know, clone myself. So you kind of right. just overreach because you're sort of relying on some of them not happening or not happening when they think they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I just, I just moved on. I didn't really think about it. And it was so... so Funny to come for it to come back to me all these years later and to actually think, oh my God, I'd love to do this. I'm actually so glad that this happened because not just for my sense of closure, but just like, it's time to look back on this story and just, because it was hysterical. It was hysteria in Scotland when this happened. This man who went back to school and pretended to be 16 and when he was actually 30 and everyone was like, how the hell could that, the same school he'd gone to and with the same teachers yeah. and everything. <laughs> And they're all in the film being interviewed, and they say things like, I mean, how could this have happened? And you're like, well, yes, tell us. Or, <laughs> uh, and like, you know, why did he do it? I mean, he did look a little young. So now you're saying that. You know, everybody in retrospect has a little, <laughs> well, I knew, of course.
0: <laughs> it was the stubble that gave it away. The stubble,
6: yes. <laughs> but he used to, he had an elaborate makeup and hair regime every day, like to kind of curl his hair. And then he got it permed so he didn't have to do that. But it was like a lot going on to, for him to look. Because he's not like one of these people that looked, you know, some people do genuinely look like uh, 20 or 15 years younger than they actually are at that mm-hmm. age as well. He didn't really. I mean, sometimes you see pictures and you, you think, how did nobody know? And all the kids called him 30 something. And there's bits in the film where the kids are all going, are you my dad. They're <laughs> all doing that. They, they knew. <laughs> but the teachers didn't. And it was also, you know, such an incredible, elaborate story of what he had made up like um his, he said his mother who had been a canadian opera singer yes had died in a car crash and his father a diplomat traveling the world couldn't look after him so he had to come to his granny in bear's den it was just so like the most extreme camp sort of version of a life and yet everyone bought it
0: yeah yeah and even though he wasn't exactly hiding his light under a bushel, I mean, I love the the, the whole idea of the your film being called Younger than Springtime. Mm. Is that that's literally from? Because he he played he like, he didn't hide at school. He no. he took part. He played the
6: lead in the school uh, musical, which was South Pacific, yeah. and he sang Younger than Springtime. <laughs> am I? <laughs> which I had to do, uh, you know, again too for this for the for the for the end of it. And it's just it's insane, and and. And also, people said things. That he was really cool. He really he was really into you know old eighties bands. And I, yeah, because that was the decade he grew up in. So it's it's also what I think though is really amazing about the film. Mostly I amused. Mean, I mean, my favorite thing about it is the way that you see all the classmates, all the teachers all looking back at this thing that happened to yeah. this huge thing. But also how memory is so unreliable and how it varies and how it changes over time and how they, all, they are all shocked by certain parts of the story that are re- told to them again. And just that thing about when anything that happens to you, and I say this as someone who's written, you know, a couple of memoirs. It's so fascinating going back and actually researching your life and realizing how you got it wrong and how how things happened months apart, you thought happened on the same day and vice versa. And just how you're, you know, memory is a collective thing. It only yeah. really fully comes into proper being when there's a, the, all the people who were there at the time uh, reliving it. That's what's great about my old school that... There's so many moments when the people who lived through this, mm-hmm. all these events, are going, what? And, you know, and because you are too, but they, they, they haven't remembered it accurately either. So how long have you known Jono? I'd known Jono quite a few years, uh, just as friends. Mm-hmm. And then, but I didn't know, you know, the big reveal of the film, which is that, yeah. that he, is, he is one of the people. He was in the class that Brandon Lee the guy who came back to. So when when he was the guy was 30, uh, Jono was in his class when he was 16, 15. <laughs> and he, so he's one of the people. He is one of the people reliving it and he's made this film about it. I didn't know that until he looked into it and all the stuff about me p- being in the film because that was kind of big news. You know, Alan Cumming, was uh, the film starring Alan Cumming based on the life of Brandon Lee is no longer happening at all. Uh, that was that certain news reports stuff yeah. is in the thing. So and then also to explain why he, you know, wanted to be heard but not seen. So there's an actor playing, and then it's me.
0: Yeah,
5: uh, in, a, which... in a
6: terrible outfit and with awful hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you pull it off. I, I, I pull mean, it I, off. I, I just want to point out that. I was going for a dowdy look. <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally look like that. <laughs> I am now going into my character actor. The disclaimer on the poster <laughs> was a bit much, I think. <laughs> Alan Cumming wishes it to be known. Who's normally cuter. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Alan Cumming, who's normally cuter in, in
6: my
4: old school. My old school.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's always the DVD. They can, they, can, they can change it for the DVD. Uh, what was that acting challenge like then? Because did you meet Brian's Slash I've never met him.
6: Okay, I didn't meet him at the time when I was about to do the film, I and mean, I guess if it had gone any further, I would have, uh, you know. But I, I was, I think, I was still in America, and I think, you know, once it started to go haywire, I just stayed and did stuff in America. So I didn't never met him. I never met him this time because he, you know, he only he did the interview for the film, and then that was it. He's yeah. kind of that was his contribution. So, and in a way, I want, I don't really, I feel it's actually good. I've got this objective. Uh, sort of vision of him and I and I try because it, it's so hard you know normally when you're an actor and you have the voice of a character is a huge component of what, what you're doing and how you form it and how you want it to come over so and I've I've lip synced myself obviously over the years when films and things you've got to lip sync or when you do looping you know when you go back and do things again but I've never really lip synced I've never done any of those you know TikTok things that people do and it's not been my thing and uh, I once I've 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 lip synced like a drag queen, like you know, dra- when I've been at once, I've played a drag queen once actually in a film, and you know when you have to sort of lip sync to songs, but mm. this was like it, taking it to another sort of reality. It's just bonkers because every breath, every inhalation, every little, mm-hmm, and he's kind of his voice is sort of down like that. So every little thing like that, I had to not just lip sync but kind of make it infuse my being yeah to make him so because ultimately what i really wanted was that people didn't realize i was lip syncing they would just think it was me or him and so you've got so it it starts off as a thing but i think hopefully you forget and that was the biggest challenge because that's really hard it is really hard so how long did it take was it a couple of days a couple i i shot a couple of days and what was awful for, for the crew was that i just would have the tape we'd have i I'd, i had all the bits that uh John was going to use and i just would i'd listen to them beforehand and we just played and played and played them until we felt we'd got it so it was kind of like torture you know kind of that torture of repeating the same thing again and again and beep 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 again and again almost like i said it was like a cult indoctrination <laughs> process all these poor people are in this room with me just lip syncing to these things and for endless times and then we move on to the next one and be the same person the same similar thing mm-hmm. I just felt like they were all going to come out like you know like they were joining my cult because <laughs> I feel I could be a good cult leader uh, yeah I
0: actually yeah. do I actually have thought about it. Is that, that something
6: you've explored it's not I mean sort of it is like I, I think of things like my bar in New York, Club coming. It, it's, it's not culty, it's, but it's got a very loyal and people are very passionate. I mean, I, I, because I think I make people, and what I'm good at, mm-hmm. this is my best thing I think I'm good at, actually, okay. is making people feel comfortable and uninhibited and relaxed and have able to let go. And I, rea- I realized that a while ago and so that's why I do these parties and why I've got a bar and why I do it. I just think, it, and it makes me have fun too. It's much nicer if everyone around you is relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. Just to, you know, yeah. So I... Um, so that's in that way, I think I could um, do a cult. <laughs> a, real, a nice cult.
0: Yeah, not one of those cults where everybody.
6: Nobody would be, you know, no having have sex or doing suicide or drinking Kool Aid. None. It would just be all quite. Just having fun, actually. Just having drinks and having a laugh. All right. Maybe uh, a sing song. If you're listening at
0: home, would like to be part of Alan's cult? then <laughs> <laughs> to, to Send in your CVS. Yes,
6: CULT at
0: <laughs> We'll make that happen. Uh, absolutely. So you, you say is the voice the main thing for you when you are putting together a character, when you're building a character? For example, you know, let's go back to Cabaret. How many times have you done Cabaret now? Um, Three. Okay. So is it the same for you each time or do you reinvent? It's sort
6: of different actually, because I did it when I did it. Someone told me I played the MC in Cabaret in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s and my 50s. Isn't that (laughs) tragic? But I I did it first of all in London when I was 28 or 29 or something, 28. So that takes care of the 20s and 30s. Then yes, and then I, then I did it on Broadway a few years later when I was mm-hmm. 33, right. 30s. And then when I did it the last time, I was 49 and I turned 50 whilst I was doing it, which actually gets the two decades. And it's almost that was actually the reason why I did it, because I wanted to see if I could still... They asked me, Sam Mendes wanted to do it again. I was like, what? And then <laughs> and, I, and I thought, God, I'll be turning 50. What a weird thing. That would be a great I'm thing to I'm trying to, do. to start a cult, could,
0: Sam, for the yeah, love yes, of God. Yes, I'm very
6: busy. <laughs> But then almost that is actually where the cult, because uh, that's where club coming started,
0: was in my dressing room at uh, at cabaret. That's right. I listened to that interview you did with David Morrissey on his podcast. Oh yes, yeah. lovely Dave. Yeah, yeah, I love him.
6: So, uh, so, but the voice. I mean, oh, I think voice is a big part for me because, uh, of a, of a character because so often I don't use my own voice. It's mostly I, I mostly always have a, You're a very another voice gifted.
0: Mimic and you could <laughs> well, do accents.
6: I could do accents, yeah. but also there's not many times. I mean, there are some times when I play a Scottish person. You know, I mean, and if I if I do, I probably would do a different type of Scottish accent as well. Uh, over the like when the last I think the last thing I did. I mean, when I play me, I have played me a few times, like on Broad City and Shows. so when you play yourself but I play a heightened version of myself what was it something else I played myself in? oh yeah I think called The Outs that was funny Um, but I when I was in Doctor Who a couple of years ago I played James the first and mm-hmm. sixth and I sort of made so it's Scottish but I made him like uh, an amalgam of all those awful Tory um, MPs like Michael Forsyth and Malcolm Rifkin. so he sort of talked like you. One, he was Scottish, but he spent a lot of time down south, and so that's where you get that weird fusion of uh, of sounds. But I, but so I, it's always a big thing. Yeah, and with this having it predestined, yeah, was kind of threw me a bit. So uh, it, it's I mean I don't. It's, it's hard to describe what it's like to just. Play a, Try and make a rounded character. And I thought it was really important to the film that he seemed as real as the other people, you know, mm-hmm. and not to be, not for him to stand out in that way. Obviously he does stand out because he looks, I look crazy, but I mean, not that, you know, it's me with a big funny hairdo and, uh, and everything I look very, again, very much less cute Frightly. than I do in real yeah. life. But I just wanted it to, that was my biggest ambition was to sort of blend in. And, and it's it's just one of those things i i, I you know i like I actually really love doing things like this. i love doing sort of weird things that i've never done before like like now i'm doing this dance piece i'm doing mm. a dance theatre piece mm. right now i, I just finished mm. it in edinburgh we're going on tour uh, and i i i you know i'm 57 i shouldn't be doing this and and also i'm i just love that i'm in a documentary and it's not about me <laughs> no it's about somebody else that i'm lip syncing you know stuff like that i think that's completely on brand i suppose people would say <laughs> and I have a bagel named after me now.
0: Uh, okay, okay, back up, back up. Um, I have to drill in there are lots of stuff to drill down into there, mm. Alan. Obviously, but the bagel. The bagel. We have this. It's talk so exciting.
6: The so there's a there's a bagel company in in Edinburgh called Bros Bagels. This really nice lady called Lara, and she's from Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I think she came to live in Scotland and couldn't get kind of bagels. She wanted, so she opened her own shop. You know, it's like remember the ad Remington, the man. I liked it so much. I bought the company. Victor it's Kayam. Good. Victor Kayam, mm-hmm. Well done. So uh, she did sort of did that. And anyway, so then they asked me if they wanted to like name a bagel after me. And I was like, well, what an honor. I mean, these weird sort of weird things happen to you sometimes. You're on mugs or, you know what I mean, you're on a popcorn bag or you're, a, <laughs> you know, you have various merchy things. But now I'm um, a bagel. And, and so she wanted to call it, though. And she, first of all, I was like, yes, bring us some ideas. And she was like, it was all like, because I'm vegan. It was like uber vegan. It was like okay. jackfruit and pineapple. I was like, nobody wants a jackfruit and pineapple bagel. And she wanted to call it coming in your hole. I was like, no, we will not have children go up to the <laughs> counter and ask for a coming in your hole. I will not allow it. Not on my watch. So anyway, then we kind of, I, I first of all, I said wholesome coming. Right. That's yeah. the name of it. So it's, yeah. it's the totally opposite of that. And we went a bit more kind of Scottish. And it's, and it's all, it's got vegan haggis, tomato, smoked cheese, vegan mm. mayo, uh, a latke. Pickled onions and chili sauce, and in an everything bagel, all vegan. And it's and honestly, what's well, been great? Like I've been at Edinburgh and I've having this big <laughs> success in my dance show, but I actually get more pleasure when people Instagram me and say, "I had your bagel this morning. I had the worst hangover, and it cured me." <laughs> I get I take compliments on my bagel much more to heart than in my performances. This could be the beginning of a, of a whole bagel empire. I would, you know, I've I'm I have had over the years some merch with you know I've had a. Fragrance called coming. I'd, I, my favourite thing is I. I still have them in my basement. A bar of soap with, with infused with my signature fragrance. This is ages ago. It's called coming in a bar. Thank you. <laughs> I am the master of a good piece of merch <laughs> name name weirdness. So the wholesome coming
0: is uh, so exciting. Absolutely. Get your lips around a wholesome coming, everybody. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So, Alan, clearly you have come to terms with the comedic possibilities of your surname. Um, uh, (laughs) Was there ever a point when that that wasn't the case? Well, you know, when you're, imagine when you're like 13, 14, realising what
6: things are going on in the world of sexuality and you realise that, holy shit, my name means like, jizzing because you don't or, know for years you don't you're, know you're, you're it's totally just your name and then you start you know to some sniggers and then you start to realize that oh my god that weird stuff that's comes out of your body that's my name <laughs> it's bonkers and so you kind of just and then you go to a phase going yes I know like that mm-hmm. for a long time yes yes and then uh and then you kind of own it a bit I suppose so I uh, I have owned it and uh there's
0: yeah there's no other name like it there's no one called Keith Jizzing. No. There's no one called Eric Ejaculating. It's Violet Spoojing. <laughs> well, <No>.
5: there
6: is. <laughs> if there is anyone, please tell us. But yeah, it's the action of-, of it as well. It's not Alan Cut like Alan Come. It's Alan Coming. Like you know, it's not Spooj. Mm. Not Spunk. It's Spunking. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's got an active nature to it, which I like.
0: Yeah. You know, it's on brand. I like Again. that this is a family-friendly podcast. And we, we, is it? Yeah, we we keep the, God. Course, the Manson Sorry. family-friendly podcast. I think.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's perhaps more That's accurate. Uh, thank you, I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask about your sitcom, The High Life. Yes. Uh, it has a joke that is lodged to my head for years and years and years and years and years. Which one? It's one of the rudest jokes I've ever seen on a a BBC Two sitcom, uh, where you say, you fuck off, eh? Yes. And then someone obviously goes, what what did you just say? And you go, you for coffee? Yes. Uh, Where did that come from? That is genius. I
6: think that's just, like a lot of that show was just, that was definitely something that Forbes and I had heard someone say. It was definitely that we pinched that from sort of Glasgow, Glasgow comedy lore. But uh, yeah, we just pinched it. And we used to like, and also, we'd, you know, we'd done a double act before, Victor and Barry. And so we had a great sort of thing. And we just try to say the most awful. In a way, you know, that's why I think it's so popular, that show. Uh, when I go back home, people, are, it's of all the things I've done, it's the thing that most people say stuff about. And I love it. Because it's like, you know, nearly 30 years ago, yeah. actually, that we shot it. We're coming out 28, 27. Like and I think in a way, because it was... It was a BBC London production. We shot locations in Scotland, but we shot the... Actually, today I was on this morning and they put me in a hotel because I'd was i been on the sleeper train and I was in the old BBC. I was looking down into that circle where you would yeah, like, with yeah. all the studios were. It was so weird. Um, and because it was a BBC London production, I think we got away with stuff because they didn't quite understand. We've said some of the most awful things, right? especially to Siobhan Redmond, <laughs> as Shona Spurtle, called her FUD features and stuff like that. I mean, terrible things. And that people didn't quite understand what they meant in, in sort of Scottish language. And so that's what I think was that joke, the, the Yifa coffee, uh, is kind of in indicative of that whole thing. That was, and I think that's why people have taken us to their hearts, because we were being so naughty
0: and being sort of so mischievous in a sort of a way that people, Scottish people really like. Absolutely. Well, listen, it's been long enough now for there to be a second series in which you can have a character called Victoria Spooge. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I love that. I think it sounds Dickensian, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't. <laughs> you and will Ms. be spooge, you will be visited <laughs> by three ghosts. Uh,
6: oh, Miss Spooge has left her calling card in the in the <laughs> lobby, madam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> On that note, yes, Alan time to go. Thank you Absolute very much. Pleasure. Bagels all round everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was Alan coming and Uh, It's a tricky one to talk about, isn't it, Helen, my old school? I guess we'll tiptoe around it a little bit.
2: Yeah, I've been tiptoeing around it a little bit. So um, yes, there was this guy, Brandon Lee, who entered a Scottish school in 1995 and made an impression on his classmates, many of whom are united here in the documentary to talk about it. In fact, the director was one of those classmates, and and that's why he's been inspired uh, to put this incredible story uh, up on the screen. So it's told through um the 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 classmates' interviews. It's told through, as as Chris has discussed, Alan coming, lip syncing to the voice of the real. Brandon Lee and, uh, and also real through Brandon
0: Lee being a very very useful, it's, it's <laughs> useful a, yes it's a, it's a
2: phrase like, I hesitated <laughs> ever, I'll be honest um, <laughs> and it's also told through um, animated reconstructions of moments from their school life where confusingly Alan Cumming does voice Brandon Lee um, yes. so but it's I I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Even if you know if you've you know been inspired to look up who this guy was and what happened, it's still absolutely fascinating to know the details of what happened, why, how, uh, and 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 all the kind of repercussions of how it came out, what came out, and uh, and and what happened as a result. I I was absolutely enthralled. Often charmed um you know for for people of a certain age there's el- there are elements of nostalgia here and some of the music choices and some of the details of school life but mm-hmm. but also it's just a really fascinating human story about a very, very odd thing that happened and i'm again, i'm trying to tiptoe around it all, but there's there are there are elements here that could be very creepy and very disturbing, and the film doesn't shy away from those, but equally it's mostly just. Fascinated by its subjects and fascinated by everyone's reaction to its subjects, and, fascinate- and and having a sort of moment to to think about what went on and really consider it and really kind of come to terms with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that quite charming and quite quite positive actually. So yeah, I I thought this was terrific. This is probably the best documentary I've seen all year.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, Maybe also the only documentary I've seen all year. But but hey. They're really good, Chris. You
2: need to watch more documentaries.
0: I know, but there's neither a superhero nor a Jack Reacher in them, usually. How Uh, do you know? Oh, that's (laughs) it. I I need to watch more documentaries. (laughs) That's what I need to do. yeah, so I, I thought this was absolutely terrific. No, I've seen other documentaries this, this year, of course. I'm not a philistine. Uh, but that, yeah, this is absolutely terrific. And I, I would say that it, unusually for a documentary, this needs to be seen with a, as big a crowd as you can mm. possibly get. So I've had this experience. I've seen my old school twice in front of a very large crowd, both times. The uh, first time, as we talked about with Alan Cumming, was uh, at the St. Andrews International Film Festival, Sands Film Festival, back in March, when I knew nothing about the film apart from it was a documentary and Alan Cumming was in it. And that's it. I knew he lip synced someone, but that's that's it. And because of that, the twists and turns of the story genuinely rocked me uh, because it, it kind of it plays its hand, or you think it's played its hand. About half an hour in, and then there's more. It just keeps piling twist upon twist, reveal upon reveal. And uh, I watched this for the second time last week. I did a Q&A with, with Alan and uh, John McLeod and Lulu, of all people, and and Claire Grogan. Claire Grogan from Gregory's Girl and Red Dwarf. What a, what a Q&A that was. Uh, I did a Q&A with him last week, and, we, and uh, I watched the film just before the Q&A. And uh, both there's a point in the film. There's a revelation in the film that both times I've seen it got the audience just a cackling, but also howling with shock at something that that happened in the uh, howling with laughter. But it's not a terrible thing. But it's. <laughs> It's a very, very funny, very revealing moment. I think has to be seen with an audience. How yeah. many documentaries can you say that about? Uh, and yeah, I understand that John McLeod that had a completely different plan for this before the pandemic came in. There was no animation at one point. It was, it was all talking heads. Uh, and those talking heads are tremendous.
2: Yeah, really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I did a documentary about my old my schoolmates that they'd all be so uh, natural on camera as these guys are. It's it's just wonderful to see. Uh, and so this pivot to the animation thing works really really well. This kind of Darla Grange Hill vibe going on here. I I I absolutely fell head over heels for this movie when I saw it up in Scotland. Like I say, knew nothing about it thought it was absolutely terrific and then last week's screening just reinforced that opinion for me i think it's it's wonderful it's surprising it's funny it's profound it's got stuff in there about memory and how memory is ephemeral and how everyone remembers something differently you know like if you asked us how this recording went a week from now, all three of us would give a different answer. We'd all remember something different about it. Uh, and this this documentary nails that uh, to perfection. But really, it's just a very, very funny documentary about a very, very, very Fucking weird <laughs> story. <laughs> uh, so go and check it out. My old school. We gave this one three stars. I think Helen and I oh, easy um, four. are a little bit baffled about that, yeah. I have to say. So I would, yeah, easy four for me. Easy Easy four, easy four for me. And uh, yeah, go and see my old school, preferably with a bunch of mates. Let's leave Secret Headquarters until the end. Yeah. Uh, that's. Let's talk about a Day Shift, which, Jimbo, you will. Almost oh, we'll certainly like because it's got Jamie Foxx in it. You love Jamie Foxx, and it's got vampires in it. You love vampires. So, is this, is this like the natural
3: successor to Blade, Laser? Blazer. 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 Yes. And funnily enough, it starts with a motherfucker trying to ice skate uphill, which was an unconventional <laughs> beginning to the film. But I was there for it. Uh, no, so this is the directorial <laughs> debut of J.J. Perry, who's kind of the latest guy to come out of the 8711 Stunt House. Uh, and as you would expect, the action from this is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamie Foxx obviously stars in this as a kind of working stiff called Bud Jablonski. And on the side, he likes to slay him some vampires. Now, the thing with slaying vampires is you get the money for the fangs. you got to get the fangs. And if you are part of the Vampire Slaying Union, you get more money for the Fangs. Now, unfortunately for Bud, he has been kicked out of said Vampire Hunting Union. He needs to get back in. So he turns to Snoop Dogg, because who else would you turn to? And Snoop Dogg gets him a provisional sort of license to go back into the Vampire Hunting Union. But as part of that, he needs oversight in the form of union rap Dave Union, Union Rep? That, that's what Snoop Dogg would provide. Uh, he provides, so Union Rep Dave Franco, he plays Seth, and he is kind of like the sort of Greenhorn guy who follows Bud around on his vampire-slaying antics. All the while, an evil realtor, played by Carla Souza, is trying to populate the San Fernando Valley with vampire hives, because you would. So, would you? the thing you have to know, well, I mean, maybe you would. The thing you have to know about me is I'm I'm quite hardcore about world building, and I don't fuck about with it. I love good world building. I hate bad world building. The problem with this is it has so much potential. It comes up with all these kind of crazy ideas for how you've got to kill a vampire, like a certain type of wood has to go into the heart, then you've got to decapitate them. If you don't decapitate them properly, they can put their heads back on, there's a whole thing, (laughs) uh, because you know, obviously. Uh, And even there are different types of vampires in here. There's like Southern, Easter, Spider, Uber, Uber Juvenile. Uber vampire, which is who you want to fight. Um, Is that a vampire who drives around in a taxi? Yeah, it's a vampire taxi driver you can um, hire them yeah but the thing is they don't do anything with this stuff yeah. like they set up all this stuff and then it goes absolutely nowhere and you just I just felt a little bit short changed because I got oh, right, all I'm going to hear learn a little bit Easter vampires Nuba vampires and it all just becomes a bit sort of window addressing maybe there was more to it at some point and it got cut out for kind of pacing or maybe it was just a setup that didn't go anywhere
2: i I wonder if it's one of these ones that's hoping to be a franchise and and laying all of this groundwork that might become relevant one day, three movies down the line, but not really yet i mean yeah. to me the the thing that was fun about this was almost entirely the action scenes i mean there's there's some you know fun banter between um between Franco and um Fox, but really I mean we've seen them both play that odd couple yeah. dynamic loads of times before. What was fun for me was absolutely mad action scenes in particular and the body
3: contortion the There's body a contort. lot of so, contortion yeah, so,
2: so these vampires can contort their bodies and like you think you've got them down but then they can fight you with their feet and things yeah. like that and and that was a lot of fun but also like it has one of the great reloads uh, one of our great uh, feature <laughs> unwritten features I think on empire history was great movie reloads and this what has one it written?
3: Didn't I we think it was written because Equilibrium written. was on there? <laughs> oh,
2: that's right. Yeah, Equilibrium was Terminator Two. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, the, this has one that's worthy of that in the uh, in the Scott Adkins scene. So there's there's a lot of fun to be had here. Honestly, I I, I don't think it's a great vampire movie. I thought it had a no. weak villain, if I'm honest. Yeah, but the actual action was superb.
3: Hey, look! It has Snoop Dogg with a chain gun. You can't really ask for an awful lot more from a film than that, I think. Sometimes, but also Jamie Foxx is incredibly charming, and mm-hmm. I think you, his charm, coupled with some really good action, makes it entertaining. I mean, it's kind of like Men in Black with vampires, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. So, but that's no bad thing. That's no bad thing. If that floats your boat, go for it. But it, it, I think it's one of these things where this is this is this is okay. This is good, but it, it could have been like really good, and maybe
2: wasn't. Life is good, but it could be better.
3: Three st- indeed. Life is good, but it could be better. Uh, three stars, then four. Day shift. What are the stakes like? Hey, is that the problem? There's not enough stakes. Got to raise the
0: stakes.
2: That's right, Chris. The
3: sequel, Night Shift, presumably now in development. <laughs> on
0: the night shift. Great Stephen King compendium of short stories, mm, uh, that one. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Uh, I see here it stars uh, Steve Howey as Mike Nassarian. I'm just going to click on this in case it's Steve Howey who used to play for Newcastle United. <laughs> uh... Uh, it's not. Thank God. No, it's not. (laughs) Well, don't (laughs) forget that. That would have involved a five minute um, digression, as I explained to James, who Steve Howey was. So thankfully we didn't have to do that. Uh, So I'm surprised that it's actually decent. I haven't seen it yet, but the fact that it wasn't screened to critics uh, is usually, not always, as we've said before, but is usually a bit of a red flag. But, But there you go. Thanks for doing that, guys. (laughs) Three stars then for Day Shift, and we're going to finish off, we started with Owen Wilson as our guest, we're going to finish by talking about his film that he's not in very much, Mm -hmm. if we're completely honest, uh, Secret Headquarters, in which he plays the guard, the world's greatest superhero, but really this is about the world's greatest superhero's lair, and the world's greatest superhero's son.
2: Yes that's exactly right. So obviously you you talked uh, earlier to Henry and Rel um who directed this they also did Project Power and they do have a knack I think for spotting genre e ideas that they can give a different little spin to and I think that's what they're trying to do here. So As you say, the guard is the world's greatest superhero, but he was before that just an ordinary guy who just happened to have this alien encounter and embark on this new career. And it has meant that he has neglected his young son. So when Charlie, for it is he, played by Walker Scoble, uh, comes to visit for the weekend (laughs) and his dad is, is called away on another, quote unquote, computer emergency, Charlie has some friends over. What one thing leads to another, they find this secret lift that leads to the secret headquarters and they are the ones in possession of the alien tech when (laughs) billionaire, evil dude, Argon, played by Michael Pena, comes trying to steal it. Um, So, you know, the kids are just going to have to save the stuff and save the world. You know how it goes. I I, I did find some of the kid scenes a little bit one note, a little bit flat, um, a little bit seen it before. I wish there had been a little bit more Owen Wilson in this film. I think he's very, very charming, and, and he's in his kind of likeable dad stage of his career. And mm-hmm. if, you know, if you saw something like Wonder, I think we want more of that Owen Wilson on screen. So those bits between them were great, but just some of the kid stuff maybe could have been tightened up and shortened a little bit because sometimes I find myself rolling my eyes. But Michael Peña is having a great time really uh, as is. the bad guy. And, um, and actually Jesse Williams, who's kind of... Uh, it's it's too complicated to say he's his henchman, but he, he kind of is. Um, he's he's really good in this as well. So I, I didn't hate the kids. Obviously, they're all adorable and, and small and, and lovely people. But I just felt like wow. some of those scenes dragged a little bit in a way that I didn't want them to. That's all. Oh god, I'm a terrible person, am I?
0: Um, I liked this. I think a little bit more than you did. Uh, I had good fun with it. It made me laugh. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to make me laugh. I thought it's it's. It, I thought it would be a very very kind of on-the-nose, kid-friendly kind of thing. And yet, yes, it is, but some of the jokes are are pretty solid. Um, some of them are a little bit above uh, kids' heads as well, which, yes. is, there which was, is fine. There
2: was one that I genuinely raised my eyebrows about and texted to you because I was like, did I, I just hear that in a kids' movie?
0: You did, but I think in context it makes perfect sense. I'm sure it does. Yes, uh, and yeah, I think everyone's pretty charming in this, and nice to play between the kids. Uh, that that youngster, uh, Walker Scobell. So he's gone now from being young Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. in the Adam Project to Owen Wilson's son. Yeah, that's a that's a decent trajectory. He's, that's he's okay.
2: doing okay, I think. Yeah, good, good for him. He's doing um, right for himself. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think, I think it's one of those movies. It's basically superhero Home Alone is, is what it is, <laughs> and. You know, if that if that sort of thing sounds like it might be your bag, then then absolutely go for it. I had a decent time with it. I would I would say three stars for this one. What about you, Helen?
2: I would say the same. Yes, um, I think it's it's it. Look, it's solid, and I think you know, kids of a certain age are going to go absolutely nuts for it. Uh-huh. I would have loved this if I'd seen it at seven or eight. I'm just old and bitter and cynical now. <laughs>
0: uh, you're more machine now than woman.
2: That's true. Twisted and evil.
0: Is it woe machine than woman? Woe machine rocks. Yeah. <laughs> With an Are X. you a, a wool machine? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm very tired. Uh, if this is what I haven't even begun parenthood yet, uh, the film I've seen the film,
3: right? Yeah, because it's not that the, long. You can get through an hour and a half. Of
0: Yeah, like if this is what it's like, and I'm I'm, I'm day minus four, then it's going to be an interesting twenty
2: years. Mm-hmm. I mean, rest yeah. of your life. Yeah,
0: could be fun. Could be fun. Uh, anyway, that's why I was late because we we're we're. You know, as people, as regular listeners may know, my wife and I are adopting a a small girl. um, I believe that's what they're called, and uh, and we're very getting very close to it actually happening. This is going to be my last podcast for a couple of weeks, folks. It's going to be Jimbo's last podcast for a couple of weeks, not because I'm
3: adopting Jimbo, but because you're actually going on holiday. (laughs) No, but you are, Chris. I am your new little girl. I can I'm going to come and live (laughs) with you and follow. It's going to be great. The pigtails are really disturbing. (laughs) You're going to get me a big Thanos-themed bedroom. It's going to be brilliant. Looking forward to it. Daddy,
0: Daddy, this isn't perfectly balanced in every way. (laughs) As all things should be. Daddy.
3: Daddy, I'm inevitable.
0: (laughs) That would be hell on earth. That would be absolute hell on earth. But you're going on holiday, Jimbo. So I hope you have a great holiday. Not,
3: it's not so much holiday as I'm having a two-week recovery after Pilot Two Hundred, <laughs> which will almost certainly involve either a great big network-esque on-stage meltdown jot on the day, or just a breakdown afterwards. But it'll be, <laughs> be one of the two. Of come on Sunday and find out. <laughs> yeah. Let it be said, I didn't take a single
0: day off after
3: Empire Five Hundred.
0: But you know, hey, you do you. You do yeah. you. Do whatever. Two weeks. Do whatever gets you two through. Two weeks. That's what I'm taking. Two weeks, so so Jimbo so, and I are both off for two so, weeks for very, very different reasons. <laughs> just
2: me then. Just, just you. Helen. Just you. My all the things.
0: If things are organised as chaotically as this week's podcast was uh, then oh, it great. may well be just Helen talking to Helen which I believe might be Helen's favourite version of this show Helen am I right? <laughs>
2: oh fine That fine. laugh
0: that laugh was far too quick at That least, laugh was far too fucking quick Because I could sleep where you were going
2: At least if it was just me talking to me it would be you know it would happen at the appointed time I'm just saying oh,
0: Shots so. oh, oh, fired
2: oh. Shots
0: fired Oh Shots my fired. god Oh my god Not content Not content <laughs> With threatening the cast of Secret Headquarters, now you're heaping the blame on a, on a little girl? A little girl? Did
2: I do that? I don't think I did that. That's no. why I was
0: late this time. I was late because we mm-hmm. were dropping her off.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Hey.
0: Sounds to me like you're a monster.
2: Well, well, fair enough then.
0: And on that note, that is it for this <laughs> week's Empire Podcast. Uh, so I'm off for a couple of weeks. Uh, delving deep into parenthood is going to be... Terrifying slash joyful if uh, if uh, my experiences so far are anything to go by. Uh, thank you to everybody who has uh, sent me and my wife uh, kind of wishes over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, And if you could send money
2: and college funds, that would be super great. uh,
0: Yeah. And then perhaps, I don't know, a two-week holiday in the Seychelles at some point as well. That would be be really lovely. Something to recover from, uh, something to help me recover from uh, what we're about to go into. Though we go into it gladly and it's going to be a hell of a thing. But anyway, enough about me, let's end the show. Uh, Next week's podcast, who do we have? Join us, join Helen next week. Helen and TBC in the second chair, never mind the third or the fourth chair, uh, when she'll be joined by Shopei Terisu, the star of the forthcoming second season of Gangs of London, of course, but mainly Mr Malcolm's List, which is out next week. And I always have, uh, it's one of the last things I'm doing before I down tools for a couple of weeks. Talking to him tomorrow, and I always have a blast talking to Chopay, so that should be a good one. Chopay awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who we have the week after that, Helen. I have no fucking idea. You're on your own. Oh, God. <laughs> but until then, until we meet again, until that suspicious occasion, uh, it's time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such a lethal cunning
3: Squadcast cast names. What are your squad cast names? Why have they disappeared from my screen i know they've made Squadcast has made a number of quality of life changes that i have to say i am not here for
2: if you if you hover your mouse it will cover it will bring up the name oh
0: okay i got it i got it I got it. yeah it is goodbye from please come to pilot 200 can you crack <laughs> the cryptic code <laughs> in his name it's james dyer bye see you sunday see you sunday i'll see you sunday. i'll think about it well. i'll think about it have you booked me a car? Uh, have, you booked, have you booked me a hotel room? Do I, have a, do I have a dressing room?
3: You do have a dressing room, You've yes. got my rider, by the way, right? Yes, yes, Chris. I have all of your requirements in a special room just for you. <laughs> daddy,
0: daddy.
2: I'm like Mariah Carey. I demand that the room be hung with white silk and filled with white roses and champagne. I oh. think it was Mariah Carey.
3: The room may well be hung, Helen, because Steve Rogers will be there for you, so
2: it's all good. <laughs>
3: Speaking of Steve Rogers, it's goodbye from
0: Captain America, <laughs> <laughs> Helen that, O'Hara.
2: That may make sense if you've read uh, an article published on the site this week or seen the latest episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Listen, the MCU has shown us some wild and wonderful things over its 29 films and numerous TV shows, and it's now... Fourteen-year time span. It has shown us an inventor who somehow comes back from having shrapnel in his chest to build an armored suit for himself in a cave. <laughs> it has shown us a god who can manipulate thunder and lightning using an enchanted hammer. It has shown us a a wizard who can somehow dance between dimensions using nothing more than a little sling ring and and you know uh, learn magic will real good textbook that he looked through one uh, time. Uh-huh. It is shown as a boy who can spin webs and swing around the buildings of New York. I can believe all of that. I can buy all of that. The one thing I cannot believe, the one thing I cannot buy, and the one thing I cannot, for want of a better word, swallow, is a Steve Rogers fucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Absolutely not.
2: Okay, but look, uh, like, Exhibit A, the beard. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Sharon Carter yeah. is in an in.
0: It's,
3: yeah. it's in a name, Chris. Steve Rogers. It's right there. It's right there. It's Rogers it's by name. name. It's not Rogers by nature.
0: <laughs> anyway, if you want to see an extended edition of this conversation, it's almost certainly going to happen uh, in our She-Hulk spoiler special, which is part of 2200 pilot or whatever the fuck it's called can anyway, we go to that it'll be a lot of fun I'm off to unpack about 20 bags of toys I'm very tired see you in a couple of weeks bye. thanks for listening bye
2: bye